Shut up and sit down. and welcome to the podcast. Tonight we're going to meander through the topic of the various ways that Tony Dinozo could be a shepherd. Um, and the first one I ever read happens to be, if found, please return, um, by Jilly. And where he was um, kidnapped as an infant. And was actually the uh, biological brother full brother of the other shepherd siblings. Then this heifer once told me that basically all of her Tony Dinozos are kidnapped children. <laughs> so every single time you see a Tony Dinozo in one of her stories, in the back of your mind, you're going to think, well, there's Patrick Shepard's baby, and he hasn't gotten him back yet. Sorry. Because <laughs> that's what I think. <laughs> we, there, yeah, well, there are, there, there are a couple verses where it absolutely does not work. But, yeah, for the most part, it is my headcanon. So, yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> Sorry, Kendra's gone for the emotional support penguin. <laughs> uh, a lot of times of dark. Them. Yeah, a lot of times dark. Sorry. <laughs> well, his mother is a Paddington, right? So, Tony, so, I mean, Senior's wife is a Paddington. Right. Yeah, which I, who I've always named her Claire. People use different names for her, of course, because we never learn her name in canon, I don't think. Um, it's certainly so one of the. If, he's, if he is a stolen child of Patrick Shepard, he's not a Paddington. No. Unless Patrick's wife is also a Paddington. Well, now that is a way you could do it, right? Like you could do if you want to do Tony's a shepherd, because when we say Tony's a shepherd, he could be a shepherd's son, but he could also be like to the shepherd, like to, to the shepherds from Stargate, but he could also be a cousin. And I worked up a family tree for a story that's not up right now, not up yet, um, where Emma and Claire are sisters and Emma's a Paddington. Which is, I think, the only way you can make that work, right? So In Sentinels of Atlantis, I have made Tony Patrick's nephew. Right, which would be that, which would be the, that situation where... Yeah. Uh, uh, now, Patrick, my Patrick's nephew's wife is Amelia. I always name her Amelia. Um, but I never really assigned his mama name, so Claire works. I'm going to steal that. Um, but yeah. In, in Sentinels of Atlantis, Tony comes online and he's he's really freaked out. So he comes to Colorado to um, be with his um, his his uncle because he doesn't know what to do. And he knows that his uncle Patrick has come online. And um, so he comes to Colorado. 
I like that. I like that a lot. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. Because if now, did, did you write that he's Patrick's nephew or that he's Amelia's nephew? Amelia's nephew. Well, he's um, he's a Paddington, so he is okay. Patrick's nep- nephew through marriage. Okay. But another way to make him an actual shepherd without having Patrick be his father is to have Patrick a sister, have a sister, and his mother actually be a shepherd. Where Patrick and Tony's birth mother are brother and sister. Now, in in Century, it doesn't actually come out in Century, but Tony is a shepherd in that story too. But it's a little bit different in that one because um, Patrick had an affair with Claire. Not a, not an affair as in cheating, but after Emma died, he had a... F- so in that one, I had to make Tony the youngest because after after Emma died, um, Patrick had a fling with a woman in, in Britain when he was out, you know, traveling at one night stand, basically. Um Hell no. Um, anyway, and so and so the result of that was that Claire got pregnant, and Dinozo didn't care is that she was pregnant with somebody else's baby, and so they had the kid. So in Century, um, in Century, Tony is is an actual shepherd. He's Patrick's son. Um, he's Pat, not, but not Emma's Emma's son. He's not Emma's son. So so he's not stolen. He's just. He just doesn't know who his father is. Yeah, Patrick didn't know. So Patrick doesn't know. Tony didn't know. Um, Yeah, so that's in Century is where that comes up. Because the Shepherd line are descended from um, Heimdall is where where that went. Which, Which sort of, the name of the family doesn't come up. But for anybody wondering if that was a shepherd Easter egg, it totally was. Yeah, secret baby. Um, yeah, uh, th- there's nothing in there's nothing in imperfect that would contradict to me the idea that Tony is, to, like I said, to me, unless the story world building completely contradicts that Tony's a shepherd, that's pretty much my headcanon. So yeah. Sorry if that makes anybody sad. Uh, <laughs> Um, but I just had canned myself so strongly with that story that you know I'm still not over the fact that Ethan's dead in DeNovo so you know <laughs> I'm just, I'm just... he's dead in uh, you mean in, in uh, Catalyst he's dead yeah yeah yeah. We got, he, we, got, we got him with McGarrett but he died he's dead yeah so people are like wait a minute Wait a minute. The first time Kira read Catalyst, she said, well, the first time she read it, found, she made that, that I found for you. She said, does this mean that in Catalyst that, that Ethan's dead, that he died? And I'm like, yeah, that's what that means. Because <laughs> they're sliding doors of each other. And so, I might have called her a whore and like stopped talking to her for like five minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know if somebody who's a big Tony John shipper, I, I totally support you you doing your thing. I can't read it, it because uh, no, I can't read it. My headcanon got but so deeply entrenched with that. Even before I read it found, I could not read it because, um, well, the thing is, is if Tony and John hooked up, it would just be a temporary thing because John loves Rodney. 
<laughs> so oh, yeah, and I wouldn't want John to use Tony that way. So no. <laughs> so there, and and the whole idea of Tony being a shepherd grew out of a one line throwaway in the sequel to Emergence, which was Rodney met Tony on the spirit plane, and he thought he was dreaming, and um. And uh, Rodney commented, called him Diet Shepherd, because and he, t and Tony was like, "What?" And he, yeah, and she and Shepherd Zero, yeah, he called him Shepherd Zero, and he he called. He said, "Yeah, same eyes, same jawline." Because and then I realized that I was describing how much they looked alike, right? Because they because they do both have green eyes and they both they have the similar jaw. And I don't care if anybody calls Michael Weatherly's eyes hazel; they look green to me. They always have. They've always looked green to me, but whatever. But so he called him Diet Shepherd. And then I was, and that's how I got to thinking. And then I put them side by side in a picture. And I was like, they do look quite a bit alike. And then I put Jensen Ackles in the lineup and um, um, Dylan Neal in the lineup. And I went, they look a lot alike. <laughs> they do. Hmm. Hmm. And that's where the idea came from. So it was Diet Shepherd. But so you could do, you could do, um, Tony is a nephew kind of thing. So he's cousin to the Shepherd Brook boys. Um, which was, so you could do this, this, the, that kind of thing. You could do Tony is a known child, like a known, known kind of thing. He could be a half sibling. So it could be like what I did in Century, where it was a, a fling or an affair, known or not. So, I mean, you've got, there's ways you could make him a shepherd. Like, is it, is it, is it what I did in If Found where it's full on and they don't know? Um, I did plot, I kind of plotted, noodled on, partially plotted one idea where um, Patrick's a sentinel and um, he realizes that his, he's found his son when Tony walks into the mountain um, because he starts smelling someone who smells like one of his kids, but he knows it's not one of his kids. Uh, and then let's see that smelling thing in um in instinct it's the star trek one i'm writing where jim is a sentinel um mm -hmm. he comes back from their um, the enterprise is being retrofitted for a five-year mission and him and spock are on the ship checking things out and they come back home and jim smells a different Spock. So he comes trotting into the room and is like, and he grabs this older Vulcan. Of course, Spock is like, you got to stop touching him right now. <laughs> Why are you touching him? <laughs> He's trying to get Jim to stop touching this elder Vulcan. And it's Spock. It's it's the alternate universe Spock who has come to Earth because Nero has been taken care of. Because um, when that ship, when, when that fic opens, they're, re they're finally retreating from that battle, having won the day. Um, and so he has to confess that he is Spock. And Spock is like, no, <laughs> I can't deal with this. I would have none but of that. Jim touched him because he could smell the, he could smell the relation between it's, he still smelled like Spock to him. So he was like, right. how is this possible? You know, how is this? What is this? And so, so Spock Prime is actually older 
than Sarek. So. It is the, the idea of smelling a, smelling a family member. It's like, hmm. So I do with the, with the whole, with the whole premise of like the Sentinel premise with him being kidnapped as a child, I would have obviously have Patrick not be online yet when, when, when Tony was kidnapped, because if he was online, I don't think anything could stop an online Sentinel from being able to um, track their, their child if they were missing. That's my head cannon. You know, they just wouldn't ever be able to let it go. So they'd, they'd be on that scent trail relentlessly. So the way I wrote that one was the way I plotted, not wrote, but plotted it. That one was that um, I do really like the pairing of Patrick and, and Jack. So I had to really noodle on Jack being like the worst guide in history, you know, like, or maybe the most improbable guide in history. Cause if I wanted Patrick to be the Sentinel. Um, well, in the awakening, one of the things that um, I that comes up in one of the scenes is that um, Jim was talking. He, Jim, one of the reasons why Jim didn't want a guide is he'd been exposed to so many, and he found he just didn't like the way they treated their sentinels, and he didn't want to be pampered and coddled and treated like you know, like. And Blair told him, you know, he said, he said, your guide is exactly what you need them to be. So when you see a sentinel being coddled or treated with kid gloves, that's because that's what the sentinel wants and needs from their guide. You don't need that from me. And I know. I know that. So I think that Jack could be exactly what Patrick needs. So he'd be a very as he doesn't need somebody to walk, you know, trot along behind him and pat him on the back. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I mean I could see I could definitely work it so I'd have to work out the dyna their dynamic of um yeah he can pat him on the ass instead yeah but I wanted it to be um and I kind I didn't want it to be like I I kind of like initially plotted that one to be it was a little too it was a little improbable the way I'd set it up but so I decided to change it so that the like the, the opening that I had Daniel and Jack talking about you know they've, they're getting a, uh they recruited somebody to, to be an investigator and um and it said you know it was it was a you know a really lucky choice because he's got an ATA gene like the shepherds have and it kind of gets Daniel's attention he's like really nobody has the, the ATA gene like the shepherds have he says oh this one does it's almost exactly the same and Daniel's like what are you maybe you should look into that a little bit. So Jack gets suspicious because of Daniel's prodding. And so he is trying, he's off looking, looking um, into it. Like, can you guys do a DNA, quick DNA? Can you like try to get a DNA test on this guy? We need to do a little bit of a comparison to see just how much like the shepherd ATA gene this is. Um, and cause I didn't want it to be like, you know, and then, but in the meantime, Patrick's already caught the scent. So he comes like tearing around the corner and going, why do I smell? I smell my sons, but not my son. What is that? So, yeah. So I thought that would be an interesting um, approach to them finding Tony as he kind of just walks into the mountain. Um, I hadn't decided on the Sentinel guide side of it yet. Cause I hadn't decided on a pairing. So that's about how far I got in the, into the plotting was, Ian, <laughs> she's all the Ian. Well, if it's Ian, Tony would definitely be a guide. Um, so, 
Yeah, Ronan, he's definitely a guy there too. <laughs> I really, Tony Ronan is a lot of fun. So, but yeah. Ronan puts him on Atlantis. And I mean, the only, I think the, if having his return child, I think the only way that, that Tony ends up on Atlantis is if Jack and Patrick get assigned to Atlantis. <laughs> yeah. And that's what that is a problem. Anytime I write a story where, Tony's been long gone from his father and his father's been looking for him his whole life. I'm not going to split them up. I'm not going to put them on in different galaxies. That's just cruel. So as much as in if found that I wanted to put, um, as much as I wanted to, you know, kind of send Tony to Atlantis, there was an inclination there. I just couldn't do it. It was, it would just be cruel. Well, because Tony on Atlantis is fun. Tony on Atlantis is fun. It's just I couldn't do that to Patrick. So if I wanted to put a Tony so as a shepherd on Atlantis, could do with it is that maybe Atlantis is the one that needs the investigator, and Patrick is the expedition leader. Oh, that would work. So okay, so so John's a sentinel, and the SGC wants wants John for the mission to Pegasus, but his the alpha of his pride is his own father and he's not going to leave earth without letting his father know exactly what's going on. And so they have to debrief, debrief or brief Patrick Shepard on the program and why they want John. And it's like, Patrick's like, well, if you want one shepherd, you're going to have to take all the shepherds. You're not sending my baby to Pegasus without me. So Elizabeth Weir needs to get up out of my chair. <laughs> this is my son Matt he's a doctor <laughs> this is my son David he's a Navy SEAL do you have any questions General O'Neill <laughs> oh Jack's like can I come sit in your lap <laughs> it's like I'll take it We'll, we'll take it. <laughs> we'll take all that. Well, Elizabeth, get out of his chair. <laughs> You're in his spot. <laughs> that that belongs to Sentinel Shepard. He's running this expedition now. Sorry, Marshall, you're not going to be needed. Because <laughs> Sumner wouldn't be needed either if Jack's going. I mean, Sumner would be like, I think I'll just sit this shit out. You guys have fun. <laughs> I'll look forward to the mission reports. <laughs> Because if I was a non-Sentinel and I was going to have a Sentinel on top and a Sentinel underneath, I went, no, I don't want to be in that. I don't want to be in it. Well, I think, hell no. I don't want to be the filling of that sandwich because <laughs> that's a lot of alphaness <laughs> to put up with. We're going on this expedition. Yeah, there'd be a lot of banging going on. But if you didn't read out Sentinels of Atlantis, that was a expedition. Yes, they were it was. Totally, they, there was totally a whole lot of expedition going on. I mean, there wasn't. There was only like one episode where there was no fucking. Maybe, maybe one, maybe two. Not many. <laughs> there was a lot of fucking in Sentinels of Atlantis. Yeah, there was. <laughs> Which is great. It's great that there was a lot of fucking in Sentinels of Atlantis. There's lots of because there's lots of bonding sex and, you know. I love, there's a couple of the, the minor character arcs. I love the bonding scenes with them. So I, I can't be mad about this expedition. My favorite, and this is going to sound really weird since I am, you know, mixed up to the end. Um, but one of my favorite um, couples in Sentinels of Atlantis is Bates and um, Graham. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I love Graham. I love Bates. It is just like once I got in, in, you know, once he sat down and like when, when you were in there in the pool and Bates is like, fight, I don't want this. This is not. And then all of a sudden Graham's in his lap and he's like, well, yeah, okay, I'm just going to put up with this. I'll give him <laughs> um, And then, and then that art you got from Sybil. Yeah. That's really cemented. It just really cemented its awesomeness. Um, so yes, expedition. So, but one of the other stories I plotted, because um, one of the things, I mean, there's a couple ways I've always, I did obviously did, and I I've now plotted other stories where Patrick gets Tony back as as a as an adult, and in the sequel that I'm working on for If Found, well, I plotted. I actually plotted two two sequels. I plotted you know the sequel sequel. And then I needed a story in between. And that, and that one, because I mentioned in that kind of, there's like this weird little actually unconnected one that's sort of an AU of If Found, where I mentioned that Tony keeps getting kidnapped um, or Alex keeps getting kidnapped because, you know. Um, and so I decided to do something with that. And they're having no luck in finding Alex when he's kidnapped. Um, and um, Patrick basically goes to O'Neill and says, you're going to read Gibbs in and you're going to get Gibbs out here. He's going to find my son. And then Gibbs and Patrick get it on because. <laughs> so where is Gibbs going to find Tony or Alex? <laughs> well, Alex is, uh, well, he's, he was kidnapped in Nevada, but he was actually kidnapped to prevent him from finding some information. So it, Gibbs works out what it is that the person who, they're just trying to keep Alex out of the way. And mm-hmm. they're trying to make it look like it's connected to his father, like he's being kidnapped for ransom, but he really isn't. It's actually connected to the SGC, but it was disguised to look at like it was financially motivated so that they wouldn't look too close at the SGC, but Gibbs is all over that. So um, he figures it out. But in the meantime, there's a lot of like, there's like some angry, you know, um, angry sex going on, angry tension relieving sex Man. happening. Alex comes back from being kidnapped and his dad is banging Gibbs. It's like, <laughs> I don't know if I'm okay with this. And, and you know, and, the, and part of the thing is Tony's got, Alex has got too much work to do anyway. Cause he's like, you know, he's the only investigator read in on the program. And he's like, well, you're read in now you're staying. Although so you can ask him, what about Fornell? <laughs> <laughs> he kind of always thought that Fornell and Gibbs were like, you know, yeah. getting it on. And he could like, be pissed on Fornell's ha- behalf. What about Tobias? What did is you wrong with on, you, Gibbs? Did, did you cheat on <laughs> Tobias? I don't understand this. <laughs> oh, please don't bring up Eli. <laughs> Yeah, right. But I, you know, the other option, the other thing to explore that I haven't explored that I really would be interested in is, is Patrick finding Tony younger in life. Um, And so I plotted one idea. It was a Sentinel Guide idea where I plotted this with you, actually, Kara, you may remember, um, where Tony's a guide. He's kind of trying to trying to hide his abilities. And um, in Hawaii, when he gets left behind, the Sentinel Guide Center gets involved, and that ultimately that leads to Patrick finding him. Um, because you know, a, a, an online guide being left on their own, being abandoned in Hawaii, would catch the attention of the Sentinel Guide Center, I would think. But yeah, in in canon, Tony is left behind in Hawaii when he's twelve. 
I remember we had we done a couple of those, but not one where he was a guide. I don't remember that at all. You don't remember the guide one? <laughs> I'm not saying we didn't do it. I'm just saying I don't remember it. But I'm really that'd be really interesting. Um and foolish of of senior to to make that kind of mistake because i would think that the scrutiny on p- the parents of guides would actually be worse than the scrutiny on sentinels parents yeah i would because, think so too because it if you mistreat a sentinel it's going to be really obvious and really, really clear. But there are circumstances that could lead to God abuse that wouldn't, from the outside, look abusive at all. Mm-hmm. So, in that story, it was Tony's hiding that he's a guide. So, or that he's all, all that Senior knows that he's like a low level guide. Um, but he's really not. So, in one version, we plotted two versions. Um, I'm going to leave you a note because there's the part, the element I don't want to reveal is my trope because it was for layers mm-hmm. um anyway um oh oh okay remember now I, mean, I figured that was the weird part of the conversation was the part that i'm not telling anybody so that that rings a bell yeah. So, um, and so there were two versions. One's where Tony comes online because of the trauma. So one version was Tony becomes online at eight when his mother dies, and he is able to hide his abilities. And the woman who t- teaches him how to hide his abilities tells him to wait for the t- wait for the right time to to reveal it. And he decides that being left alone in Hawaii like that is the moment. So he just calls the Sentinel Guide Center and says that he's an online guide and he's been left behind and he doesn't know where his father is. And gets, you know, it, it's a deliberate act. And in the other version, the, the, ver- the, the, what sort of the being abandoned and, you know, all, everything just kind of culminates. He comes online in Hawaii at the age of 12. And so the Sentinel Guide Center um, kind of is all over that because an online guide, somebody could come online basically due to the trauma of being abandoned in by his Which, father. Which, you know, for, you know, honestly, even at 12, I mean, that had to be really traumatic. Uh-huh. I'd have been terrified. I mean, not even to wake up in your own house alone, but to wake up in a hotel room. Not in the continental United States. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but on an island where you know no one. And you have no money. All you can, All he can do is order room service, right? I mean, it would just, at 12, it would just be, he would be just really, he'd be freaked out. And I think that it could, it could drive, it could drive, and in Sentinel Guide Universe, it could drive him online. And so that is my, um, that was something I was noodling for next November. Because, you know, I like to noodle a year out if I can. <laughs> um, I have most of my November for next year already plotted. So I have two. I have two plots. I believe, I believe, why you I think? I, why you guys think I announced them so soon? Yeah, I need. I, I need time to plan. <laughs> I don't have this November plotted, but I've got two for next November. So we'll see which way it goes. Um, 
but the other, you know, in that and in that case, it could be something that leads to Patrick, right? It could be. I mean, DNA testing wasn't quite all there in 1985, right? They can't really run DNA tests. But on the other hand, it's a fictional universe. Well, in a fictional universe where Sentinel and guides are known, and they focused a lot of attention on genetic. Um, science early on and maybe in order to find sentinel guides and to help match them better it stands to reason that dna technology would be a lot more advanced than it was in our reality yeah, they have a lot true. more reason and a lot more money to invest in it and i also tend to write that there are like you know not proteins that they you know can test for biomarkers and stuff that they can test for you know before they could test for genetics they could test for this stuff and it could be that you know Alex has some very specific um, stuff that when they look at it, they go, there are only a few Sentinel guides that have this, you know, that he's. Um, it's not canon that Patrick was in the military. Um, there was an early bio early on where both John and Patrick Shepard were in the army, but that was put aside and John ended up being in the air force in the show. Um, but it's not canon that Patrick Shepard was ever in the military. I put him in the Navy because I think that um, it just matches my head canon better. Um, but um, Patrick Shepard in canon is an industrialist. Yeah. That doesn't mean he's not ex-Navy. But, you know, career Navy is a little bit different than somebody who who's running a company. So... Um, but it doesn't well, yes, Vigo mean... Mortison looks good in anything, to be honest. Um, That's not true. We don't have it... any information on John's grandfather, I don't think. I thought there was a mention about John's grandfather being in the military. Yeah, I mean, we didn't it. even find out he had a brother un until... Funeral episode, yeah. Yeah, so... So, but it could be either. It could be, I mean, I, I think I don't know that I would do it. I don't know that I would go to the convenient level of it, having Patrick stationed in Hawaii, but um, it, he could easily have a Sentinel in Hawaii that knows Patrick and um, might rec might feel like meet Tony and go, "You that kid smells a lot like Patrick Shepard. <laughs> it stands but, to reason, actually. It stands to reason if Patrick Shepard is an online Sentinel and one of his children was taken. Maybe if he was, maybe if she gave birth without him, like like if he was in the military and was gone, and that's how Tony was ended up stolen. Um, but it stands to reason that if there's a sentinel out there looking for his kid, and they found, and they have a 12-year-old come online, right age range, male, online as a guide or a sentinel, they're going to check to see. Maybe they even have like scent packages from the Shepherd family at various locations that they can compare his genetic sense or whatever to other Sentinel God missing children if there's more than one. Yeah. Yeah. And I could see that Sentinels would really memorize. Um, that be able to remember really, that this they would have a certain sort of like sense sensory eidetic memory um and, and it the, could be there'd the, be like one sentinel, sentinel in each center whose job it was to keep track of the sense of missing children 
Most especially probably Sentinel Guide children. Yeah. So it could be that it would just be a matter of time anyway that, that, that they'd have found Tony in a Sentinel Guide world. But that set, a Sentinel walks in the door with his guide where there's this traumatized online guide situation and takes a deep breath and goes, oh, Pat, that's Patrick Shepard's son. And, you know. Well, all hell breaks loose. Yeah. What is he doing? traumatized in Hawaii. Well, in that situation, if he comes online due to being afraid of being alone, that would be trauma. Um, the other scenario I plotted with, which in which case um, it, the other scenario I plotted, he blacklisted, he, he would be dead. Oh, yeah. They'd, they'd hunt. As a Sentinel, in a Sentinel Guide universe, they aren't going to be arresting him. And They'd be like, I, I don't, don't care where he is. I don't think Senior gets out of that alive. No, I, I agree. I think I think Patrick would kill him. Honestly, it's amazing that Patrick hasn't killed him in, if found yet. Well, Patrick will if, if Senior doesn't go to jail, and if he ever gets <laughs> out, he's gonna he's gonna die. I mean, that's just like the behind yeah. the scenes. Because I kind of alluded to that ruthlessness when that guy was stalking Matthew towards the end. Um, which is that, you know, John's like, you gotta let, you gotta let, you're not gonna interfere in Alex's investigation, are you? And Patrick's like, as long as they're convicted, I'm not gonna do anything. But as long as, as long as, but it, it won't be pretty if they, if, if they think they're getting away with this. <laughs> this asshole targeted my baby for sexual coercion. I cannot promise to be civilized if he's not in prison. <laughs> As long as there's punishment going on, I will sit back and let the wheels of justice churn. But yeah, I, in a Sentinel universe, I think because um, in if the in the if found universe, I did try to hint here and there that Patrick is really loving and close with his family at that point in the story, at that point in his life, but that he's got he's he can be really ruthless. So I do think in a Sentinel universe, if he's a Sentinel, um, that he would be. Um, he would kill he would kill senior he'd get all the information from limb as it is if he does it in a feral episode he can't even be held accountable for it i lost my temper i mean things got out of hand i don't even remember it he had my son pictures again (laughs) (laughs) let's let's let me rewatch it i'll I'll let you know if i remember any of it (laughs) is there video footage is there better video footage do you use your cell phone i'm not picky cell phones didn't exist then unfortunately well, they did, but they were like car phones. It'd be ridiculous. No, didn't no they video. Have a, It'd be like nine had, millimeter. But they had those giant <laughs> camcorders, right? Yeah. <laughs> did anybody have VCR? So I like the. I kind of like the idea of exploring you know, how Tony could grow up as a shepherd. Since I've done the. You know, or at least somewhat get closer to the family. You could also do the whole angle of him being a nephew, and when when Claire dies, he goes to live with the shepherds instead of. But one of the things you have to be careful of is if if Tony's life trajectory changes at a young age, he doesn't wind up going to the same college. It's very unlikely. Okay, because I mean, the bottom line is is once you put when, once you significantly change a part of somebody's childhood, the odds of them picking even the same school much less the same career path is kind of slim. I mean, except maybe for somebody like Rodney, who, you know, it was probably going to go into something like astrophysics no matter what. 
but does Tony still, you know, play football for Ohio State if he grows up as a shepherd? I kind of don't think so. So, um, honestly, if you put him in um, a family at a young age, like, where does Claire die? He's seven or eight. I have it as eight. I I think Cannon's pretty close to that. It's it's around. I that. mean, if where would the other kids be? Matt would be younger. John and David would be older. Mm-hmm. I John's so, three years older. David's two years older, and I usually write Matt a year younger. Although I have written them as twins too, and I did in one write Tony as being the youngest. I mean, I think that in that situation, if Tony's enveloped into a very loving, you know, connected family, he's going to want to blend in with them as much as possible. And if there's a history of a, a career history of them serving in the military. I think Tony would probably end up in one of the branches. If Patrick is active duty Navy when, when he gets adopted into the family or t- taken into the family, I mean, hero worship yeah. would be high. Yeah. I mean, it all depends upon what you do with, with Patrick, right? Is is Patrick active military? Is he okay with military? If it's a Sentinel guide verse and Tony's a guide, they're probably going to be really protective of him. So, um, a cent, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just, there's, there's a lot of little variables to consider, but the odds of that trajectory leading to him working at NCIS, working for Gibbs, n- n- very slight. I actually, even if he did get out of the Navy and go to NCIS, which I don't think is actually, um, isn't a really good choice. Um, there's no single way he'd have the same relationship he has with Gibbs because um, Gibbs would only get one opportunity to disrespect one of Patrick Shepard's sons. Adopted or not. Mm-mm. Yeah. So I just, but I just don't think it's plausible because if he's doing career military, I don't, he wouldn't get out at, at, at the right age too. Um, but yeah, he could be a really good investigator, but if he's a really good investigator, I just don't think that it, he would necessarily wind up, um, it also depends on what the other boys are doing. Like, you know, where's John? Where's Matt? Where's David? Um, because, because if he has all these family connections and if the mom has passed and it's just these men, you know, who've grown up together and they've got their dad, Patrick, uncle, whatever you want, you know, whatever Tony ends up calling him, um, he's going to want to stay close to his family um, and stay connected to them because he, you know, that foundation would have been would have been very important in his formative years. So I don't actually see him if he's raised by Patrick Shepard, I don't see him in NCIS at all. Yeah. It's just, it's difficult. And I think that's one of the things I see that would people take on a trope like that, where you really change someone's formative years in some fashion, or you change their family background and then you still have somehow have the collision with Canon. I mean, you could have a collision with Cannon, but do it in a different way. I mean, you could have him meet Gibbs, you know, through the course of an investigation where Gibbs is questioning a she- the shepherds or something. Or or you could have Tony and Gibbs meet when to- if Tony's serving in the Navy, you know? Yeah, I mean, Tony's if you want to do a Tony and Gibbs pairing, you know, which, yeah. But if you do, um, Tony being active duty Navy would be a good way to do that. Well, in a Sentinel Guide, if I were doing a Sentinel Guide universe, so it depends upon whether it's Sentinel Guide or straight on. But I think if it was Sentinel Guide universe and 
I don't think John's black mark would have occurred. Um, but it could be, um, it could, it could be in a non-Sentinel guide universe. Cause I think if John's a Sentinel, I think that telling a Sentinel, you can't go get your team is a really it's bad a good idea. way to get your career destroyed. Yeah. It's a, it's a good way to get your ass kicked. That's also what well, you're interfering with the imperative of a Sentinel um, and protect a Sentinel imperative protect the tribe. And so it's like, that's not even worth having an argument, but see a smart man wouldn't have said no. They're like, okay, yeah, you go do that. Try to bring all of our shit back. <laughs> yeah, Dark says, hi, I am a Harry Potter raised in a supportive home and somehow I still end up doing all the same things in first year as Harry with an abusive background and no emotional support. Exactly. And it's the same kind of thing as I see Tony sometimes get really different backgrounds and stories. And yet somehow he's in the exact same places in the exact same series of events. And it just doesn't really gel. Um, now, the thing is, in a Sentinel Guide universe where Tony meets Gibbs, you have the opportunity to do things really differently with Gibbs, um, which is what I did with Vicious, because, you know, there's this perception, I think, in fandom, because Gibbs' apparent love for Shannon is epic, that if Shannon survived, that Gibbs and Shannon would be together. But the, the bottom line is, it's really easy to revere the dead, and it's sometimes hard to live with the living. So, um, there's nothing to say that because Shannon survives that they stay married. I don't mean that callously, but it's true. You know, there, you know, he, he, she's gone. He lost her at a time. He was, he lost her at a time in his life when she was everything to, to him. And he wasn't there to be with her to deal with the day-to-day -day frustrations of marriage. Right. But who's to say if he was, you know, an at home dealing with, um, day-to-day -day life of being married that they might not actually get along all that well so you know couples get divorced so you could write a gibbs in that kind of universe um where, where shannon Who didn't survives go off the rails right because shannon survives he doesn't go off the rails you know and he's just divorced you, it doesn't have to be you can have and i do think if shannon that that isn't the most straightforward avenue yes he was deployed when shannon was killed um he was in the he was, in, he was in the Gulf, I think. Um, he was, I think he was Operation Desert Storm, right? Does that sound right? Anyway, mm -hmm. um, but the East, one of the most straightforward ways to soften Gibbs and to deal with some of the issues with him is to have his family survive. And an amiable divorce, I'm all for an amiable divorce. I really hate the, I've started to hate the cliche of the trope of the evil ex, right? But an amiable divorce, um, yeah. So unless it's Shannon, Keller, you can make Keller Eva all day long. <laughs> yeah, um, that we that that's about all about Keller, and but we don't know Shannon <laughs> that well, right? But right. so the easiest way to soften Gibbs is to um, let them survive, and then he doesn't go off the rails and become a murderer and all that. Although if Gibbs is a sentinel and someone targets his spouse. That murder that's a different ball game. is a whole different thing, right? So, um, but I think Canon makes it clear that Gibbs and Shannon actually didn't have a whole lot of FaceTime, right? Um, they did meet as he was going away to, to boot camp, and he was just still deployed um, when she was killed. So he basically got to know his wife on leave. 
So it's plausible. It's entirely plausible that as much as he he is like that's the love of my life, um, it could be that he was um, he just didn't know her all that well. That that you know that when when the day to day business of living living together just didn't work out. So um, if but you wanted, I do, to I do question whether or not he would have left the Marines if Shannon hadn't been. I think he left the Marines because Shannon was killed, but if Shannon wasn't killed, would he leave the Marines? No, I don't think so. He was certainly leaving at a different time, and if he still ended up at NCIS, he probably wouldn't have that weird, fucked up, bizarre relationship with Mike Franks. No. Mike Franks is an asshole. He is. I just... There's just nothing redeeming about him at all. Um... Well, how old was Kelly when she was killed? Eight. So Gibbs was probably in the Marines. Kelly Ten. Kelly was born in 83 and she was killed in 91. And Gibbs joined the Marines at 18. He was probably in the Marines for what, 10, 12 years? Yeah. And he was a sniper, so... I think you can account for his rank for um, when he left. But anyway, there are, there are ways to handle getting Gibbs and Tony together if that's the kind of story you want to tell. Um, and he might be a, a more a, a newer investigator to NCIS as opposed to like one who's been around forever when he meets Tony over the course of an investigation. Or um, if you have Gibbs still in the Marines when he and Tony meet. You know, if that's what you want to do, I I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't write it. Wouldn't write it. But um, I would never use the title. I would never use Blue Book as a cover name for the Stargate program. <laughs> it's just it's a little bit too on the nose. <laughs> it's like trying to. That's worse than hiding in plain sight. It's like hiding in plain sight and saying you're hiding in plain sight. Is is Blue Book the official canon name for the Stargate program? I don't think it's ever mentioned in canon. Because, well, the official blue book, as far as history is concerned, is about the search for alien it's UFO right. research, right? Exactly. Right. The official canon cover name is Deep Space Radar Telemetry, as we all know. Um, <sighs> Which is honestly not any better than Project Blue Book. <laughs> because, like, really? really? You have all these Marines... All these special force marines <laughs> studying deep space telemetry? Is that is, is that what's going on? <laughs> okay. How's that working out? You guys seeing fun stuff? You guys have got anthropologists with employed deep space radar telemetry? How does that work? Okay. What what do you need linguists for in that? Just checking. But yeah, calling something project, especially if a bunch of people know the name Project Blue Book, it just is. I just personally wouldn't use it. It just it just makes me laugh. It's like it's like hiding in plain sight with a project name called Hiding in Plain Sight. <laughs> it's a little too. Um... Where'd you get that from, Ellie? <laughs> well, we're not mad at it. Oh yeah, it's a great bunny. I mean, I'm hop, mad. Hop hop but hop! It's a great bunny. 
I thought it was the summary right, of a story. You know, I thought it was the summary of a story, and we were about to get a link. I'm like, I need to read this. <laughs> I don't think I've actually ever given the Stargate program a official okay. name, like for public consumption, in my fic. Yeah. Now I see Project Blue Book all over fandom, but I um I've, I've never I don't know if I've ever used it. I might have. I don't know, but um I don't think I've ever done one for myself. Yeah, I mean, I I've mentioned Deep Space Radar Telemetry a few times and had Tony like laugh at it. Um, but yeah, so I mean, they might internally I could see them internally joking about themselves as Project Blue Book, but you couldn't actually publicly call your project project blue book that would that really is a lot advertising what you are um oh i'm sure they have that covered up some other way <laughs> Kaya. I, I yeah I'll, it's sort of like that line from um um is it independence day where they talk about you don't think you at least spend forty thousand dollars for a hammer do you <laughs> That's what I always assume when I wonder about like the budget for this stuff is I see, I can hear, um, Oh, what is his name? Yeah. What, what was his name? The actor's name. I'm just totally blanking on it. Uh, it kills me too. Cause he's, he's Papa. Um, he's, he's, he's Papa Epps, uh, Jed Hirsch. Um, yeah, yeah, Jed Hirsch. Thank you. I could just hear Jed Hirsch going when they talk about the Area 51. Goes, how did you? How are you paying for this? The president goes, but how is this? How are you covering this up? How are you paying for it? And he goes very caustically. He goes, well, you don't really think you spend forty thousand dollars for a hammer, do you? <laughs> <laughs> so that's fifty thousand dollars for a toilet seat. Exactly. So to me, that is that is how the Stargate program funding is is inflated prices elsewhere. Whether so, in my head, that's always the way it is. Is is I hear Jed Hirsch saying that in the back in back of my head going you don't really think you spent forty thousand dollars for a hammer do you yes i do think i spent forty thousand dollars on a hammer. a hammer it's a very good hammer it's a special hammer <laughs> yeah the character's julius levinson thank you um the that's best how part of that movie actually honestly he's the best part of anything he's in yeah well, but all these years later, welcome to Earth is <laughs> not bad. <laughs> Tell him I hit you. <laughs> um, hey, like, like what? Why are you looking like that? I punched an alien. I can punch you. <laughs> I knocked down an alien that I punched. Oh, $20,000 on a hammer. That's it. Yeah. I love that. It just, it, I think it's hysterical. So in, in, in my, in my, my head canon is that's, that's the Stargate funding right there. It's $20,000 for a hammer. Um, that should like so, totally be the name of a story. What? $20,000 $20, hammer? For hammer. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Dark, you have such a cute turn of face. Um, okay, so Tony is Tony is a shepherd. Uh, so Tony growing up a shepherd really does give you the opportunity. Now, I did write one story that is Tony totally growing up as a shepherd, which was um, he's never Tony in that story. He's Alex. Uh, 
and that is Atlantis Codex, which is on EAD. Um, now it doesn't come up in in that story that the first episode that is posted on EAD, but in the second episode, um, John and Patrick are talking, and Patrick talks about the kidnapping attempt because there was an attempt, um, and that John was three and he doesn't remember it, but that at least not consciously, but that Patrick thinks that that's related to John's. Um, he thinks it's related to John's um, overprotect overprotectiveness of Alex is that John's and some of does remember Alex being taken. So that, that does come up in Atlantis Codex in the second episode, which nobody but me has seen. Um, <laughs> Cause she's a cop please. But that, that, and that's, that was an, that was an example. That is an example of, to me of how you change those, these background elements from birth and Tony doesn't wind up in NCIS. And then that one, he's, he wound up a Marine and a scientist. Um, so, so yeah. Um, what would you do? How would you, how would you get Tony, Tony and the Shepherd family? Oh, that mean you did it. You, you obviously are plotting it for, uh, Atlantis. I mean, for Sentinels of Atlantis season two, since he woke up, he definitely has Shepherd hair. Are you there? I left myself muted. Why did you do that? <laughs> when I was typing. So I'm over here talking. So what would you do? What would I do? Well, in Sentinels of Atlantis, I briefly, I briefly considered the whole Alex thing. Do you remember that? But we, but we couldn't get it to work. We couldn't get the I, ages. and um, Yeah, we had... We I didn't had want to Patrick to cheat on his wife. Um, and he would have had to to make it work, you know, just the way it is. But also, secondarily, Patrick is already dealing with a lot of trauma in relation to um, his relationship with John. Um, and I don't want to add to it. And to have him have a child had been, you know, kidnapped and taken from him on top of already, you know, all the other stuff that he's dealing with. And, um, what sticks out for me most about Patrick's character is that when he watches the video that John sent back to the SGC from Pegasus and he tells Jack, I'll give you everything I have. I, I just want my son back. And he means that. He'll give everything. He just wants his kid back. And so in that moment, it was like... And then when I think about that, I can't put more trauma on him, right? But I want to put Tony... I mean, I'm kind of enamored with the idea of, of Tony being a, a kind of a shepherd, you know, you know in, in, in some way related to them. And so I do want him to be a cousin. I'm not sure if I want, um, I, th I think that I do want him to be, I want Claire, his mom, to have been Patrick's sister. I like that. Yeah. So in that verse, she won't be a Paddington. She'll be a shepherd. Or whatever she was. Yeah. She will be a shepherd. And, um... Wow, so Patrick, we'll do... would have, Patrick would have really hated Claire Mary. Oh, yeah. He really hates Senior. Hates him a lot. Um, and so in, in, in my, in my headcanon, um, Patrick tried over the years to, to get Tony 
but Senior interfered a lot, and it just he never could get him. And then by that, you know, by the time you know Tony was an adult, it was, you know, it it, it is what it is. And so uh, he's always been a point of of comfort for Tony, but Tony has been taught basically by his history and with senior to not reach out to family because no one is going to help him. You know, it's not something that kind of the circumstances he has in canon where he doesn't reach out to his mother's family, you know, when he should. My eyeball is burning. Um, and so uh, when, when he comes eye- online um, as a guide, he his only thought is that he needs to go to his uncle Patrick. That's, that's it. That's what he's got. He has to go. Um, and so, um, he, he leaves, uh, DC and gets in his car and drives straight through to Colorado to get to his uncle Patrick. And he shows up on Jack O'Neill's front porch. Not the first or the last to do so. (laughs) (laughs) Patrick, there's a stray at the door. <laughs> oh wait, that's actually related to me. You can let you can let that one in. <laughs> there's there's yet another baby god at the door. So, but yeah, because yeah, also during that week, um, his clone's gonna show up. So in that episode, um, Tony will show up, um, Nathan O'Neill will show up. Um, and so Nathan is like 18. No, t- um, Tony's too old for Nathan. Well, actually, Nathan probably is too old for Tony. <laughs> but um, Ian is, uh, Nathan is a Sentinel, but his guy's on Atlantis, and that's Ian. Um, and so I'm not sure who I'm going to pair Tony with. But Nathan will end up on Atlantis. So... So I'm not sure what to do with Tony, but um, it'll be interesting. Other ways to make Tony a a shepherd. Um, I'm really yeah, Ian Wilkes. I'm really fond of the idea of um, shortly after. And his fond's a terrible word to use for the circumstance, and you'll see in a minute why I said that. Okay, so like after his wife's death, he in a moment of weakness has a. Um, An explicit sexual liaison with uh, Claire. I don't care if she's married to Senior or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. I mean, if she is, then she certainly needs to get thoroughly laid. Because it probably hasn't happened in a while. She could be having uh, a spite affair. And I... Some- Sometimes I don't like cheating, but I'm okay with spider fairs, which is like, so you're fucking around. He's, he, she could know he's fucking everything that walks. She's like, I'm going to have me a spider fair. Right. And, you know, so, and then, um, and he doesn't know that, um, that he fathered a child and maybe Tony ends up on Atlantis and they're doing DNA tests. And someone's like, Hey, um, you Maybe it got like filters to the sciences and Rodney comes to John's office and says, why didn't you fucking tell me your half-brother was coming to Atlantis? What the hell, Shepard? What the hell? And John's like, what? <laughs> and, th- and that's how they find him? I think that would be fun. Yeah. And he, he could be like, he called, he have to like, okay, wait. 
And so they had to figure this out. And at one point, you can see John and Tony in the office, like at the birthday, figuring this out, doing the math. And John being like, my dad banged your mom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, you just see their faces, like trying to, John be like, I'm really, you know, I'm really glad to have another brother, but let's not ever do that speculation thing again. Okay. <laughs> now we're just going to have to tell dad. Can you imagine that phone call? So dad, um, what were you doing in December of whatever year it would be? Um, or whatever month year. Um, Patrick would be like, well, that's none of your business. <laughs> that's funny. Done. Because I've got to have siblings sitting in front of me that tell me that is, in fact, my business. Do you know, do you remember a woman named Claire Shepard? I mean, Claire uh, Dinozo? Well, um, yeah. Yeah, Maybe. Maybe and why? Dad, because I'm I'm looking at her son, and he has our eyes, and he has our hair, and he has your jawline, and he's got half your DNA. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, by the way, <laughs> um. I need to be really funny for him to find out that way. And then like they had that uncomfortable moment where they're doing the math and John being relieved that his dad didn't cheat on his mom. And then Tony being kind of amused that his mom did cheat on senior. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying it won't. Um, I think Tony could be feel really liberated by senior not being his father. Oh, I would say so too. Absolutely. I think it would be just like, um, so I know it's a little late in life, but how do you feel about adopting me? <laughs> well, we talked, we, yeah, I think that would be, I mean, we talked about that um, one idea where the trust is after gene carriers. And so the SGC starts trying to round people up and shipping them off to Atlantis and uh, Atlantis, when Tony gets his physical, um, this is when he's a lost shepherd baby though. Um, when Atlantis gets his, does physical realize that he's Atlantis really makes changes. John's next of kin to Tony and they see the update in the system. We we did this on a plot drift, I think, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Does that sound familiar? And and John's like, what? What do you? What the hell is he doing? What? What? Is, what? Why would he change it to my to my next of kin to this this agent afloat? What the hell? Um. So this is a very. Oh, by the way, this is a very small present for those of you in the chat room. If you want to read the conversation where Patrick and John talk about the kidnapping in Atlantis Codex, I'm putting it there now. Get it now because I'm going to delete it by the time the podcast is over. Um. <laughs> so it's a very short piece of that episode. Um, it's how am I evil? I think I'm being nice. That's very nice. What is evil is the people who are going to come into this chat room after 
this podcast is put on Castbox and they can't find that because it's already been deleted. That's evil. <laughs> that is evil. And don't don't do me a favor. Just this. Think of this as a this is the treat for you. Don't share it with other people. So and don't email her about it either. You snooze, you lose. Um, but uh, I, I like the idea of um of, of Atlantis figuring it out first and be like John. I was reviewing the um the new people coming from Earth, and um, you neglected to mention that one of your brothers would be joining the expedition. And John's like, my brothers aren't joining the expedition. And I was like, as a matter of fact, one of them is. His name is Tony. I don't have a brother named Tony. Yes, you do. <laughs> you do. Yeah, I'm sorry. Tony Denozo. I've updated him as your next of kin. I understand the rule of next of kin in the UMJ. He would be by as a biologist of yours, he would be your next of kin. Uh, what if someone is a prank had Atlantis gave Atlantis houseways? And so <laughs> the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole hello, John. <laughs> I can't do that, John. I can't do that, John. He's your next of kin. That would drive John absolute bonkers, I think. The science guys would find it hysterical, but I think it would actually drive. Um, my sound quality is bad for you? Just me? It, you jumped a little bit. Yeah, it was a little twicky for a couple of seconds. If it's, if it's not if it's not something consistent, this, you know, it just could be that you know the server blipped or whatever. Um, if it's consistent, I need to know, but um, yeah. Anyway, um, I, I totally love if it. if John knows about his, I mean, if it's not like an affair, baby. If 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 Tony was in fact kidnapped as um, as a child, um, as an infant, um, if um, if that were to be revealed to him that way, it would be like, you what? He's my what? <laughs> Wait, I mean, he he could be totally like, are you saying I have a biological brother on this ship named Anthony? I don't have any biological half, and he could be even like, kind of like freaking out, going, "You mean half brother?" And be like, "No, so that you have the same mother and father." And he could like flip his shit. Maybe he like totally. I mean, that would be huge. It, it would be very traumatic for him to find his stolen, kidnapped sibling in Pegasus. A new arrival from Earth. Here is this career NCIS agent, federal agent, coming to be on his city. Um, I don't even, I mean, the emotional impact of that, that, that would be huge. Because this is a situation where number one, his dad probably has no idea where he is because of like, um, um, because of the classified mission status that, that he's on. So he has been reunited with his kidnapped sibling. And so what he wouldn't even be able to tell Patrick because it isn't like they can turn around and go back to Earth. And if he emails Patrick and says, hey, I 
I think I found Alex. And Patrick's going to be like, well, where the fuck are you? Because I'm going to be there. Right? Yeah, he can't just pro- drop I'll- that in an email and go, and by the way, we're at a classified location and we can't get to you. I mean, Patrick would flip his shit. So he can't tell his dad. But then, you know, he has to tell Tony. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Especially when Atlantis keeps insisting that John is next of kin. He's like, who? Right. And he, I don't have know, a next of kin. You do now. Um, and so there would be. I mean, it, it, it would be genuinely awful. Yeah. Like a secret affair baby is amusing. But him finding his kidnapped brother on Atlantis would be a nightmare. Because here he is able to to heal an open wound his father has carried for 30 plus years. And he can't. I mean, really, logically speaking, they would both have to go back to Earth immediately. Because yeah. I don't think that I think I, th- I think John would be too compromised to actually even do his job. Well, I think that I oh, I agree. I think he would have to. They'd have to put his EXO in into command because I think he'd be messed up. Um, and he was and if found, he was really messed up when he found out. So, um, he I think and I think one at one point when we talked about this idea, the the reality of the separation was a big problem, and that's and I think that one of the one of the ways we we talked about getting around that was having the trust being after all the shepherds, and so they ultimately get read into the program because you know um, the SGC is trying to get them round them up, um, and you know Tony was an easy sweep because he's a gene carrier who's who's active in the, in, at NCIS. And so the SGC, you know, called him in for a special assignment and shipped him off to Atlantis to keep him off the trust radar. But in the meantime, they're checking on, you know, they're looking into family members and they realize that the, you know, that the shepherds are um, an issue. And so they're, you know, so it, it would become a, a vehicle to get the shepherds read in and get, Patrick to Atlantis, especially if the shepherds are, you know, read in on the situation and then they get a data burst. Let's say they're keeping with the mountain and they get a data burst, you know, from Atlantis that says that, that Alex is on the city. Um, Patrick could be like, when is the data list leaving? And uh, why can't you open this wormhole to them right now? You know what do mean? You don't have enough power. What does that even mean? How much power do you need? No, really. How much power do you need? <laughs> yeah. I like that Patrick would build a fucking arc reactor. Hey, if, it's like if Tony Stark could do it, I can. So. What do you mean? It's, so it's not in your budget to open up the worm, the, the gate. Okay. Well, you just got a bigger budget. Um, <laughs> Buys General Electric. Um, well, what uh, when I was looking at the power requirements of uh, of a ZPM, a ZPM has more power in it than a thermo um, than a thermonuclear plant power plant. In fact, yeah. it has three or four times more than a nuclear um, a, a nuclear power plant, and it takes quite a bit to open up a wormhole to a different galaxy. So. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you need to connect and reconnect. But um so 
Yeah, I, mean, I can see that being a very frustrating moment. Um, but also, I, I probably would not let them go through the gate. I would make them go on the Daedalus because I think that um, really for everybody's benefit, they need a little emotional distance from this news. So, not suffering, no. Emotional distance so they can get a hold of themselves so they don't end up, like, glomping onto poor Tony, like, octopuses. Yeah. <laughs> Octopi. <laughs> It could be, and you know, it could be Daniel that's the voice of reason on that and going, because in, in theory, Atlantis could, Atlantis has got the ZPM, right? So Atlantis could send Tony back through, but it could be Daniel that's the voice of reason on that and says, this isn't a good idea. You guys, need, you, you're all going to be headed on the data list anyway. And so you just need to take some time, the three weeks out there and calm down because he's already going to be overwhelmed. You know, or they could have one of the mountain, the, the, you know, one of the psychologists saying it's better to just take us some time to absorb this. Then, yeah, you know, you know, O'Neill's going to understand Patrick's trauma there, but he's like, I, I, I get it, I do, but you need to give yourself some room to deal with what's out there because it's not just John and Alex. Who, by lot. the way, has actually been called Tony his whole life and had no idea he was kidnapped. Yeah. And I really, I really downplayed um, the effect of that to a degree. And um, it found, but I, tr I did, I didn't like completely gloss over it, but I did downplay it a little bit to kind of like, because Patrick shielded Tony or, or Alex by that point as much as he could from the fallout of but if there's a really high profile baby kidnapping that is never solved and then it's solved 30 years later that is big news and yeah because most would assume the baby was dead yeah so you know and if found it when it leaked it did become headline news right but patrick and his in the pr department of shepherd industries right exactly um it, it would be like if the Lindbergh baby was found alive now. It would be, it'd be all over the place. And so Patrick really shielded Alex from the effects of that, which is, you know, one of the reasons why they went to Nevada, where nobody knew where they were, and then went to Europe to try to just keep him away. And that's why he couldn't realistically do his job. Because um, I really do think that's how that would go. So... You know, and actually with Alex, with them being in, and, and Patrick could realize, you know, it's good that we're going to be in, in this other place for a while because the FBI is going to have to investigate how he's been found. Well, actually, they might have to keep it covered up for a while because if there's no way for them to interview Tony, they can't exactly tell the FBI. I think, I actually think that, the, I think in, in that universe, I would leave... Um, in that universe, I would definitely have, probably have the shepherds. Definitely, probably. What a weird thing to say. I would have the shepherds stay in, um, and and it'd be probably a vehicle to having Patrick take over as the civilian administrator of the city. Well, it wouldn't be the idea. It would be the FBI. Not if they don't tell the FBI. Because they can't, because there'd be no... I don't no... think that Jack O'Neill would trust the NID with it, though. Oh, I think Jack would go. Yeah. 
Mr. Denoso. Maybe he might even ask Gibbs, hey, can you pick up Senior Gibbs would be like, yes. What am I arrested? Never mind. I don't care. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll arrest him for what the fuck ever you want. And well, Jack could go and talk to Gibbs and be like, okay, here's the deal. We got your. Can you imagine Gibbs's fury? Oh yeah, he'd be. He'd I mean, be incand incandescent with rage. Because not only is Senior a son of the bitch father to begin with, and I know they retconned that in history in, uh, in in the show, but he was a real bastard. Only slightly. Um, only slightly. <laughs> he was still an asshole. He just supposedly was. He was supposedly an asshole who actually loved Tony, so like that made it okay. Right? No, it does not make it okay. Um, but uh. To have these two men who both lost their children, one to murder and one to an accident, um, both involving guns, um, to find out that this young man that they both probably like and have a lot of respect for. I mean, I'm sure that Gibbs does at that point. Um, that changed. Uh, and Jack, who met this really interesting charismatic young man sent him off to atlantis because he was a gene carrier come to find out that he's been that he was kidnapped as an infant and this grieving father has been searching for him for 30 years plus i don't know senior might survive that interview <laughs> jack could leak the information about the stargate to him just so he'd have an excuse to put him in a deep dark hole he knows stuff we're gonna have to bury him too bad about that. We, we had a prison for people like you. No things they shouldn't. But you told me, asshole. Well, that sucks yeah. for you. You should have been listening when I was reading Gibbs in on the program. I, I don't know what to tell you. He signed paperwork. You didn't. I think they were actually made a really good casting choice for Senior. Um, and the actor's lockability. I mean could have had a factor in the in the whole retconning thing um but i don't know i mean i watched the natalie wood story i'm i'm, I'm gonna leave right? it at that yeah <laughs> like, i don't know that i find the actor all that likable but whatever right um but yeah, it's just that was the whole retconning of. Like I said, even though they made him, they made it so like Tony cared about his father, and supposedly his father loved him, but he was still a dick. So, and they they that first the first time you encounter Senior on screen, he was a massive dick, and then they kind of softened him more every time he kind of came on the show. Um, but it just I think the re the the viewers like received him so well that they made him less and less and less of a problem. Actually, I think it was the opposite. I think the viewers hated him. Really? And I think that they wanted that. The, I don't think the actor wanted to play somebody. That's that my impression that I don't think the actor wanted to play somebody that the readers couldn't stand. The viewers couldn't stand because he was such a dick. I mean, he left Tony with a multi-thousand dollar hotel bill and skipped out on that whole thing. I mean, he was just such a, that first episode he was in, he was just terrible. So, um, and then, you know, I just, so, so they, and they continued to make him a dick. They just supposedly made it so that he loved Tony. They had that whole Christmas episode where he brings Tony the family ring and all of that, blah, blah. Maybe I just was like making that kind of jacking off my own brain motion. <laughs> 
Yeah, it just he was he was such a he was a criminal, and it, it just it didn't make sense that they were trying to make us believe that that this there was plausibility in this relationship, and that Tony, you know, I could see Tony wanting his father to care about him, but I don't didn't see evidence of that, even though they tried to make it look like there was evidence of that, and his father just never did anything but disrespect him, so. I don't know what to do with that, right? So it's retconning, but it's weird retconning because it's like they didn't make him actually all that likable to me. And they just made it so that supposedly he loved Tony and therefore it must be okay. And I just don't, I've never bought into that kind of party line, you know? Um, that it's okay to treat your kids like shit if you say you love them. No, I don't, I don't like it either. So I, I really don't see him actually surviving this interview to be put in a hole somewhere. Because you've got two men that would do anything to have their children back. And then you have this asshole. Having stole one man's child for selfish reasons. And then treated that child like shit. Yeah. It's just terrible. And and because Alex can't be on Earth. Um, they can't. You know exactly. I think that Jack would make it possible for Patrick to go. I I, I think that Jack would like. Okay, well, um, how old, how old is your retirement? <laughs> Get on out there. <laughs> um, what are your sons doing for a living? I mean, we'll it's a city. <laughs> we can find, we'll find something, something for them to do. do. But I think it would be um, a deeply emotionally wrought story to tell. You know, it would be. Yeah. Um, because finding out your dad had a secret affair, baby. It, like I said, that could be kind of amusing. And be like, hey, dad. <coughs> so I met your secret baby. You're, my what? <laughs> How do you know? How do you know Claire Denozo? Well, um, look, so I'm. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> or London, whichever the case may be, you know. <laughs> when I'm overseas, son, I don't I don't document what happens, okay? okay. All those le- you can see Matt just like all those lectures about condoms. Yes, they're Dad, come on. Really? Are there more? How-? He goes, Look, the condom only broke that one time. That's all it takes. Apparently, that's all it takes, Dad. One time. It only takes one time to make a baby. You better double glove in the future, buddy. Clear, <laughs> actually, don't don't clearly, do that, actually, because that makes it worse. But okay, It does. It actually really does. Because <laughs> they, they grab on each other. Friction. <laughs> don't anybody take that seriously. I was just joking. That's also but, why you cannot use a female condom and a male condom at the same time. If you guys didn't know that. It's grabby. Because latex gets, there's lots of friction and, and you'll end up breaking both. Right, no, not even that 50 gallon drum on, um, drum on um, Amazon would, would be enough lube to keep that situation. I mean. Well, I've read, the thing is, I've read some accounts of like, apparently, like there's latex is, I mean, it feels smooth when you touch it, right? But it, it apparently isn't actually all that smooth. And so like, I've read some accounts of, uh, from porn stars that talk about, they start feeling really sore from the latex, you know, that latex is, uh, is a struggle. Yeah. But it, you know, it, 
that lube thing reminded me of a story I read once in Stargate where John and Rodney ended up getting married off world. And when they got back, they were like, we're not going to talk about this. But everybody in the city was so amused by their marriage ceremony that, that they threw them a reception. And so they all went along with it because Rodney says we're going along with this because there might be cake. And there was cake. <laughs> and so after that, um, Elizabeth offers them a honeymoon. And John was like, okay. So they take a jumper and they end up in this ancient facility on the other side of the planet that has like this, um, I don't know what it was used for, but it has this weird bathtub in it that when they finally start to like consummate their union, the water gets slick like lube. Because the ancients are apparently um, freaks. Per freaks, yeah, of course they are. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> no, I um, mean, it's like like the water falls away and all is left is a little bit of slick lube, just enough to get things going. And like, it's like, I was like, what is the name of that fic? It is really funny. You see, what I would do with an idea like that, I would totally have it be that because John and Rodney keep like going like going along with the the pageantry of the whole getting married thing because they want the cake and the the honeymoon and that kind of stuff, that the city accepts them as married now because they didn't come back from off world and deny it. The city's like, okay, they're married, and so Atlantis won't let them get break up. I'd rather my at bath like a bath too, but you know, convenient lube. I really appreciate someone who thinks of a new way to bring lube into a story. <laughs> because Very convenient con lube. You, you can only have the convenient packet of lube in your pocket so many times. I mean, it's just I've almost never. I can't say never, but I, the only time I've ever had the convenient pocket of lube is when I in, went out planning to have sex. It, it, it was convenient by yeah, planning, yeah. right? I've never just, oh, well, I carry a packet of lube around me with me all the time because why wouldn't I? <laughs> yes, I have to say, this is a mention further up, but I, I have to say that Ellie, Ellie did write something that has not been seen yet, but Ellie did write something that um, gave me a, a headcanon that Maud Standish is one of Senior's ex-wives. <laughs> <laughs> totally, yeah. I totally am all in on that. And if you have seen the Magnificent Seven, Maud was the original con woman, right? So I and and I love that them them each them getting married accidentally thinking they were conning each other, each thinking that they were the con the con man in the, in the marriage, and then they find out they're both con people, right? So I it's also in my head canon that Maud came out ahead in that situation. So it's banging. You guys will see it someday. <laughs> Fictees. That is a fictees. Um, it's not. It's a fictees. It, it's not a fictees. It's a fic promise. It's a preview. It's a preview. Because that shit is completed. We just have to finish the beta and then we'll be ready. It's Yeah, I've, I've also working on to finish up the timeline. But I've had, like, I've been through the wars this month. It's been, it hasn't been fun. Um, why do they, but what, what does that have to do with them carrying... What in the world does it, them carrying packets of lube in their pocket have to do with blood? bodies. I don't want to know. I changed my mind. <laughs> no, I, I actually need to know what in the world lube has to do with, with feeding blood to thirsty trees. Lube removes blood? 
I don't think that's actually the way lube works. Well, I feel grateful that I've never actually stumbled across this story because I wouldn't read that pairing on a bit. But, um... <clears throat> Always a tree, Claudia, is a favorite trope. So, we were. Yeah, we're, I'm not, we're, we're, I, don't, I don't really want to read about carnivore trees. Never. I'll, I, I could do something with that. I could do something with trees that eat people. Um, only bad people. <laughs> well, yes, only bad people. Claudia could get very hostile about that when one of them tries to eat her man. Oh, yeah, well. Night as. Night as. Um, <clears throat> okay, so. I mean, the only other way to make Tony a shepherd is to have him marry in, and I wouldn't do that. But, you know. Oh. I mean, either he has to be a cousin, he has to be an affair baby, or a secret baby. Um, or maybe not even a secret baby, but just like um, he had an affair. Um, maybe Senior finds out. Um, dumps Claire um and she ends up uh being um John and David and Matthew's stepmom. That's interesting. Um there could also be that um this could be interesting. Um uh, if you did this could go either with the kidnap thing or the secret so either the kidnap or the secret baby um or yeah, so it could go with either one of those. Which it could be that when his mom dies, that he finds a letter from her um, explaining who his real father is. And he's like, I'm all in on that. And he calls Patrick Shepard and goes, yo. My mom just died. I'm having a rough day. Apparently you're my father. Come pick me up. Because <laughs> I am not going to boarding school. <laughs> right? So I need you to get a lawyer. And we probably need to get some DNA tests done. And I'm really hoping your my mom hasn't hosed me on this. <laughs> Got my hopes up for nothing. Now it could, yeah, it could be that when um, um, could also do one where um, it because it's my headcanon that senior married her for money. But it so what if when she dies, the family refuses to give him any more money and instead of just shipping Tony off to boarding school, he's like, I'm just not going to deal with this obligation for the rest of my life. I'm not going to get anything out of it. So he just calls Patrick Shepard and says, you know, I know he's yours. Just come get him, please. Or he could just drop him off. Go like, this one's yours. You know, Claire told me exactly, you know, I knew she was pregnant when we got married. This would be more the secret baby thing. I knew she was pregnant when we got married. I'm just, she's dead now. and I'm not raising your kid. So fuck that. I'm thinking, oh my god, you son of a bitch. <laughs> right? <laughs> Patrick would be furious, but it would be a way to get... It's callous, I know. But I think Senior is that callous. I mean, he shipped his kid off to boarding school after his mother died. So, I, to me, that's pretty fucking callous. So, um, And for people who are really attached to the Tony name, could let him keep Tony as his name and have Patrick um, adopt him so he'd be Tony Shepard. Or Anthony Shepard. Yeah, I mean the Alex thing only happened because it doesn't make sense because it does not make sense for if, if Tony's a kidnapped baby that it was Tony on his birth certificate. That makes no sense. But if he's a secret baby, that his name could be Tony either way. Unless Tony goes, 
I don't know. I don't want to be named after that asshole who dumped me on your doorstep. Come on. What's his middle name? I have it do- be Dominic, um, but all we know in all we know from canon is that his middle initial is D. So some people do Dante or they do David or you know. Well, we wouldn't whatever. do David because there's already a David Shepherd. So right, but that's where Dom came from is because I picked Dominic as his middle name. Um, but you know, you pick a D name, just pick a D name and go with it. Yeah, you could do you could do Shepherd by adoption too. Shepherd by adoption. Is, is another avenue. Um, now, for those of you who do the shepherd by adoption thing, who ship Tony with John, it, it's kind of squiffy to me to have two people raised together, just giving you a cautionary tale about this. If you like that plot bunny, you don't have them banging each other because it's always a little bit weird to have people, to me, who are raised in a, like a brother-type relationship. To end up fucking each other. Banging, yeah. It's, it may not be actual incest. The pseudo incest, though, is still kind of creepy. It's gross. To show I mean, me unless, what? I mean, unless they're a lot older when they come to get when they when they start living together, like they're 15, 16, and instantly have a boner for each other. That's a little bit different. But I would just like never. Um, I would I would just never write, you know. Even the pseudo incest thing. If 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 they're if they're raised together from a fairly young age, it, it's a brother vibe all year. Oh no, I would never do a specific challenge like this for Rough Trade. Um, when I when we design challenges for Rough Trade, our our goal is always to leave it as open as possible for people. Um, so having a specific, a very specific challenge like this would really narrow the um the challenge field because there are plenty of people who write for rough trade who don't watch NCIS who don't watch um, Stargate Atlantis and it just wouldn't be fair. I mean, the only specific challenge that I think I can really put my finger on that I've done would be call it magic for the Harry Potter fandom. Um, yeah. Uh, well, we, did but, do, we did do the boot camp that was Harry Potter and Stargate Atlantis. That, but other yeah. Those and fandoms. then we had the battle of, fi- of, the, of the five fandoms where you could pick any of those five fandoms. But this is a very specific challenge. And that's just, it, it just seems too limiting. Yeah. Yeah, I got a lot of grief for the mulligan thing too. So I probably, as much as I think the mulligan was actually beneficial to people because it gives you an opportunity and it gives you some accountability to, you know, to finish something that you started. Um, the Mulligan challenge I pro- will probably not be repeated. Um, but uh, Harry Potter is a huge fandom. And so that wasn't, it didn't seem as limiting as this. The idea well, of something so even, specific as. Even if you, yeah, but even if you did a specific NCIS challenge, because there are, there are a lot of NCIS writers on Red yeah. Trade, but even if you did an NCIS challenge, doing a specific trope, which, I don't, I don't even know if it qualifies as a trope, but I guess it might. Um, um, I don't think I guess that would be, I guess that'd be tropish. Tony's a shepherd. Um, but I do try to make it as open as possible. That would be, um, that'd be while so offering varying, you know, um, varying degrees of challenge and um, interest for people. And, but the battle of five armies, we, we picked the battle of the five fandoms. We, we picked that based on, um, the most popular fandoms that have been used in the challenge. So, um, 
And of course, next year we're doing the Sentinel, but uh, it's Sentinel Fusion, so you can put any fandom you want with the Sentinel because the Sentinel really is the little black dress. I can't think of a single fandom where I couldn't stick a Sentinel in it. Yeah, we had we did a we we had a really crackish conversation at one point about you know which Teletubbies is Sentinel, and which ones are guides, and you know right. which the Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles is SpongeBob a, a Sentinel or a guide. I mean, it just it. Well, no, the Sentinel is a fandom. But it's also a trope. <laughs> yeah, Sentinel, Sentinels and Guides are known, I would call, as a trope. A Sentinel yeah. Fusion. Sentinel Fusions, I would almost... It, I, to me, it's edges towards the fandom genre. Yeah. Um, Sentinel but Fusions are... The, the Sentinel does exist as a fandom. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's there's so much potential there. And, like, I'm pretty sure Grumpy Bear is a Sentinel. Um What's his name, Grumpy? The blue, or, the blue, or, the cloud. Wasn't he Grumpy? Grumpy Bear. Or it could be. It could be that it just he's really tired of waiting for his sentinel to come along. Yeah, Handy Smurf is definitely a sentinel. Papa I think Papa's a sentinel. Or, yeah, yeah. But it's just it's you have the really bizarre conversations about this, right? So yeah. Um, what is your head canon just... about? Smurfit is definitely a sentinel. <laughs> and some characters are just mundane. Brainy. I think. Yeah, I, think I don't think Brainy's either one. I think you find the whole idea just impossible. <laughs> but as I think, like Dopey is is probably a mun mundane, um, or maybe a dormant sentinel. Yeah. But you know, it's it's right. So the conversation can get really, really cracky and bizarre. But um, so Tony is an adopted shepherd. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of ways you could go with the adoption thing. You, you know, Claire and Emma could have been college like sorority sisters. Yeah, sorority sisters. Um, or it could be somebody that Pat Patrick knew Claire somehow, or Patrick could know one of the other Paddingtons. Um, you know, just it could be a variety. You could go a variety of directions with the adoption thing. Um, it's a little bit of a different vibe. Um, I think Tony would have a lot of hangups about his mother's death and about the adoption, but um, it it doesn't. The personally, the adoption angle doesn't have appeal to me because the way I stumbled into this whole idea was the physical resemblance between the actors. What if seniors shooting blanks and in order to get access to the money, the Paddington money, Claire had to have a baby. So he tells her to go out, find one with some, find somebody with a similar build and get them a kid. And she targets Patrick Shepard. Yeah, she'd have to she'd have to uh um ruin his condom. Well, yeah, it makes her complicit. But why why would you say she's not Well, she's a drunk. She's an alcoholic in the show, right? I mean, she was mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, absolutely she she definitely an alcoholic, so I mean, I tend to write 
she did treat Tony like a doll. I tend to write Claire as being kind of a negligent alcoholic parent, but one that loved Tony. It's just she was not didn't love him enough to stop drinking, which is a very selfish kind of love, right? But there's nothing that there's I don't think there's any other than the fact that like later seasons of I mean all Tony ever really said about his mom in early seasons was stuff about like the drinking his um, sea monkeys and and the dressing up like a doll and his creepy bedroom and stuff like that. And then later season, later in the show, we did hear stuff about, you know, his love of movies came from his mother and that, that they, you know, he had pictures of her spending time together. Um, that is the state yeah. of our sex education right there, that you even had to have that conversation. There's something all right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it would be really interesting if he was not so much um, an affair baby, but um, and maybe even at some point they even considered using him as leverage against Patrick Shepard to get more money. Or maybe they did leverage him to get more money. And when Claire's killed, Patrick sues um, Senior for custody of his kid and wins. Or if you want to go dark as fuck, okay, this would be dark. What if, um, what if Claire wants to confess to Patrick about his son? Because maybe she knows she's a drunk. She's this is a terrible environment for a child. Maybe she's having regrets or whatever. And Senior kills her. Oh, but he doesn't know that she's already sent the letter. Well, I think Patrick gets a lawyer. Yeah, well, I think he'd turn up and find out that she's dead, and he'd think that that's really coincidental, that she was kind of, you know, really worried about, that she thought that the, something she says makes him think that there's more going on here, and Patrick's got more money and influence than Senior does, so he can bring in somebody to come in and reopen that investigation into her death, and that's the easiest way for him to get custody of his kid, is Senior goes to jail, And Patrick is custody of Tony. Mm -hmm. It could even happen when Tony is younger than than in canon. Yeah, yeah, it could. Maybe within a couple of months or a year or so after his birth. I wouldn't want Tony to see it if he's very, very young, because that's how you get Dexter. And <laughs> And we don't want Dexter. <laughs> well, we really enjoyed Tony as Dexter. It was actually kind of fun, but not if I'm trying to make him a shepherd. That doesn't work. Um, yeah, because she could she could hold the baby for the first time and regret what they did. And think that they needed not do it. And so maybe she sends a letter to Patrick and then talks to Senior. I think we need to tell Patrick Shepard. Or maybe she's written it and putting it in the outgoing mail and... She doesn't tell him he's written, but she's like, talks to him about it. And then she gets killed. But the housekeeper picks up the mail and sends it anyway. Maybe he was talking about leveraging the kid for more money from Patrick. And she sends him a letter instead. She sends Patrick a letter to tell him what she's done and that she's sorry. And um, that she can't control her husband. And she thinks that he might be trying. That he's going to try to con money out of him. And Senior doesn't know about the letter and Senior kills her because she 
refuses to participate in his con job or whatever. He kills her in a rage. Yeah. That could really work. But I wouldn't want Tony to witness it. No, no. There's actually a really good story where Tony is a serial killer. There, yeah, there. I think there's two, but I think they're written by the same author. In uh, one, he knows Dexter, and in the other, Gibbs is sort of holding Tony's leash, right? Yeah, yeah. The the one where Gibbs is holding Tony's leash is really interesting. Actually, they're both interesting. I don't know what I'm talking about. They're both really interesting. But I was like, I, who would thought that I'd want to read Tony's a serial killer? And actually, I was pretty much for me, it's kind of like I'm kind of okay with the, you know, the murder husbands vibe as long as they're not eating people. I mean, I right? have my limits. Yeah, I have my I limits, mean, right? I'd be totally on board with murder husbands if they weren't eating people. Yeah, <laughs> cannibalism is just it's such it pushes my buttons too much. I mean, the show they obviously is a show. The show writers obviously shipped it. They didn't steer away from that at all. I mean, they practically full on made it look like they were having sex sometimes, right? You know, and, and that and whole, especially he, in that scene where he guts will knifed no. him. It looked like they were fucking. I mean, it did. It looked like they were fucking. Yeah, I mean, I don't have so I don't have a problem with the pairing at all. Uh, there's some elements. I mean, for me, you got to interrupt it before a certain point because once they start getting into the mutual backstabbing, I don't see how you get how you deal with the relationship around that. But I don't have a problem with the pairing. I have a problem with the the cuisine. I'm just that's an issue. It, I have a problem with Hannibal not telling Will he had encephalitis. That was, isn't, yeah, isn't that what it that, was? Yeah, that is a real problem. I wouldn't mind seeing an AU where Hannibal's still a serial killer, but he doesn't eat people. Um, and he did tell Will that he what was going on with his brain, um, and get him like help. Um, and maybe Will figures out he's a serial killer, but he's kind of more amused than upset because Hannibal only kills rude, terrible people. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I just, yeah, I just can't have any cannibalism because I have a very vivid imagination. And the one time I tried to read a story, every time they would eat, I would wonder if they were eating people and I would get freaked out. Just like with the show, I had to stop watching the show because I never could figure out if Hannibal was feeding people to people because he often was. Mm -hmm. feeding people to people and I'm like stop come on now just tell me tell, tell me when it's people <laughs> I need to know <sighs> yeah so the cannibalism but I would say that the, the, that the show was actually um, beautiful the cinematography in that show was gorgeous oh I know it's like wow I mean, mind-blowing. The talent behind that camera was mind-blowing. Is it worse to feed people to vegetarians than to uh, to not vegetarians? No. <laughs> Dark saying yes. No. <laughs> I think it's pretty equal, actually. But it's funny how you all are like, yes, no, yes, no. 
no, no, it's no. Because, you know, the reason why I'm saying no is because you're not going to minimize my pain by saying, well, it'd be worse if you were a vegetarian. Fuck that. <laughs> Sorry, you don't get to tell me well, that Let's she, all she... remember that the entire cast of Criminal Minds is actually also cannibals. Not That's right. They didn't mean to be. It, it wasn't on purpose, but they did get fed. They they did get fed people. So yeah, yeah. There's an episode where they're hunting for a cannibal, and the cannibal ended up being the man who was running the food table, search and rescue teams for the search and rescue teams, and he fed everyone, and he fed them the victim they were looking for. Yep. Yeah, it was horrifying. We're all, you're, sit, you're sitting in your seat going, oh my god, no, I see where this is going. And you're going, oh! And it's just that moment when they all forgive you. If we all, forgi- all realize what was going on, it was just, it was so gross. But, you know, I just, yeah. I just, I can't deal with I don't know down. how they all didn't end up in therapy after that. There should have been like four episodes after that where they were all in therapy talking about it. <laughs> Thank Willow found you. the one where Tony is Dexter. Thank you, it's called Ninja. Good Boy by Copper Badge. Of course, it's by Copper it's by Badge. By Copper Badge, yeah. Duh. You can't go wrong with Copper Badge. And we'll put it in the link library. I think Good Boy is the leash one where Gibbs keeps him on a pretty tight rein. But I think, yeah, I think there is one where Tony actually meets Dexter. Um. Yeah, but I enjoy Copper Badge's work as just as a rule. I, I really enjoy it. So, some authors you should just get like get in there and, and explore. Um. But I do like the idea of uh, Claire kind of being in on it and Patrick being a target and being. Um, I mean, you know, it's ugly, but people are ugly, and um, maybe even because he was recently widowed, she. Use that to her advantage. Maybe she even looked a little bit like his wife. Yeah. But then when Tony was born, she couldn't continue the... She couldn't go there the way she thought she could. I don't see that being a, 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 a realistic threat. Because it isn't like alcohol is hard to buy. I mean, if she was addicted to something that was pretty difficult to get a hold of and Senior was her source, I could see him using that as a method of controlling her. But it's just alcohol. And you can buy alcohol at the convenience store on the street. And the money was hers, not his. So he had no ability whatsoever to control her drinking. So, yeah. And I don't think that with considering that he was so busy, he in order to be able to control her drinking, he would have to be there all the time. And, 24-7. And, well, she, she had to stop while she was pregnant. Otherwise, um, Tony would have a lot of problems. Because yeah. fetal alcohol syndrome doesn't really ever go away. They could, Those babies continue to have problems their whole life. Well, if you write, you could even have that her drinking became because of you could even like make that the, the thing is that after Tony was born she started drinking because she felt so she guilty deal for what she did yeah. although a lot of people there are people there not a lot of people there are people who do take that mercenary approach to getting a kid right well, I can't get a kid 
you know, for my husband, I'm going to go. There's a whole heart song about looking for a guy to bang so that you can have a kid with the man you love. Um, although that wasn't the case for the two, you know, in, in this scenario we're talking about. In the but, L word, I remember in the L word when Bess and what's her name? Her lady, the blonde. When Bess and her lady wanted to have a baby and um, one of the things that they tried to do was they went out and picked up a man to get pregnant while she was ovulating and he freaked out when she, they told him he wouldn't have to use a condom and he realized what they were doing and booked it out of the house because they were trying to basically steal his sperm. <laughs> like, okay, I'm gone. I'm, I'm out, baby. Ciao. And but, they eventually you know, used a sperm donor, but I mean, they just, they need to, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, exactly. Get a sperm donor like a normal person. But, um, but if you need to hide the parentage of a baby, and I think they would have to when it comes to the Paddingtons and the money, um, and you know, I wouldn't want a record of any kind of sperm purchases or anything right. like that. So I could see her going after. Um, she would want somebody with. Um, she'd have a standard. Somebody wealthy, looking, wealthy. And maybe she found, you know, she didn't tell him who he'd found until until, until it was done. Oh, yeah, I, I met Patrick Shepard at a party and we got it on. Um, and in that day and age, if you told somebody on your on the pill, you didn't. That, that, that. I think Senior could play a really good game. I don't think she probably knew what she was getting into until it was too late. He was a successful con man, so it, he had to have been able to play a pretty good, well, semi-successful con man. But when she's looking for somebody to father her baby, she's going to want someone successful and smart. Good looking. Because she's looking specifically for a baby daddy at that point. And she could, you know, be really wanting to be with her. Um... Well, she has the money in that relationship. Not yeah. senior. Um, so she doesn't need a fallback. But I don't think she would want to have some fuck wit from a party you know i mean she's gonna want a man i mean i would you know yeah. a man <laughs> she's looking for good genes <laughs> someone who isn't using drugs someone who has successfully fathered really um and if patrick shepherd is fairly wealthy then his children aren't unknown Right, so she would know that he's already fathered three very, you know, very attractive children. <laughs> cute kids. He's got some cute kids already, and he's got three sons. The likelihood that he'll give her a son. He says he's had three up to bats and got a son each time. <laughs> the odds are good, <laughs> but maybe she would feel eventually like an asshole about it and want to fess up and Singer wouldn't want her to until it served him. They fight over it and he kills her. Yeah. Well, yeah. Also, this if she's married to Senior, she might actually want to get um, her row plowed. I mean. Yeah. Well, there's that. So, I mean, there's different, <laughs> ang there's different angles to take. Like, is it, it how does it, so if you do the secret baby thing is, is, was it a mercenary act on Claire's part to, to um, 
you know, bang Patrick to try to get pregnant on purpose. Did she get pregnant on accident? Um, which is what I did in Century. Although, like I said, it's all teased at because, you know, Tony decides he doesn't want to find out who his real biological father is. Um, because he doesn't know if he's, at that point, it's because he doesn't know if he's going to survive what Hydra did to him. So he says, no, I don't want to know who my biological dead father is. But, you know, one of the things Claire told Dinozo, Dinozo was that, you know, she, she needed to get married and um, that she wasn't going to tell the biological father because he had three, he was a widower or had three kids and he had his own issues to deal with. And so she just decided not to tell him. Um, well, yeah, I think that, 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 that idea that Kira was talking about was about the, the inheritance that if she was going to get her full inheritance, she had to have a kid. So, um, in, um, let's see, um, now I said for the man, I had Tony being Matthew's twin in that one. Um, and there was still a kidnapping attempt, but it was later in life. <laughs> Instead for the man, Tony, um, uh, Alex was almost kidnapped. And um, Matthew was almost it kidnapped. It brought the other kids online, didn't it? Matt? Yeah, yeah brought, brought the whole family online. Well, it brought, well, it happened. They tried to take Matt, actually. In that story, they tried to take Matt. They tried to grab him. A pedophile tried to grab Matthew, actually. And Alex was so distressed about his twin being taken from him that he came online and his distress as a shaman coming online brought his whole family online and, and a lot of other people, a lot of other people. Remember we talked about guys coming online under trauma. Um, um, uh, we talked about guys coming along under trauma. So if, if, if Alex is someone's trying to take Alex's, you know, twin um he freaks out and i think a guide um a guide under extreme stress like that would draw sentinels online and that's why all the family are sentinels so including uh about his mother came online later as a guide no his father his father and that one um in that one emma is is the sentinel right yes in century tony is has plant dna and he recharges in the sun because i could <laughs> It's my headcanon that um, if Groot ever comes to Earth, Tony won't have any problem whatsoever understanding him. Groot will Groot, Groot and Tony will eventually meet, and you're right; he will have no problems. And Groot will recognize Tony as as a Groot, and he'll and in in Groot mind, he'll be full Groot. <laughs> That's great. So the the Groot will recognize him as being full Groot because part Groot doesn't matter. He's if you're a Groot, you're a Groot. So. <laughs> There, he'll be one of their less leafy brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so, Reaper. I guess Tony Tony is, but Tony, actually in one story, Tony is Claudia's brother. But in that story, he's sort of her brother from another tree. <laughs> I've apparently stopped. I, I thought I stopped trying to rein my, I thought, you know, I thought when I wrote Duty of the Living, I thought this is a story where I stopped reining in my id. But apparently I stopped reining in my id a long time ago. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I made, yeah. I made, I made Tony into part three. As, as Dark says, he recharges in the sun. 
because I needed that. I needed that line. I needed that line. Holy shit. Hydra made Superman. Because <laughs> they did. Yep. Yep, they did. Because it's such a Tony Stark thing to say. But yeah, instead for the man, I went a little bit, a little bit, changed things up a little bit, and I had Matt and and Alex be twins, and that it was Alex them take attempting to take Matt that brought Alex online, and then Alex brought the rest of his family online. Um. And and so that that progression was a little bit. A little bit different in that one, and then in the Horseman, I think I think I have Alex and and Matt as twins in the Horseman too. Well, yeah, girl, Alexa- it's Alexandra in that one, but she's still called Alex, and she has a badass yes. with a sword in that one. Thor swung his hammer like Thor. <laughs> yes, he does. I mean, is he nice in that he doesn't eat people, but still kills them, or just nice in general? Because that doesn't seem like Hannibal, right? I mean, I I don't need him to be actually nice. Just not just, eat people. I don't care if he kills people. He can still kill the root. I just don't want him to eat them. Yeah. Well, we got that he doesn't eat people nice. The question is, is he still a killer, or is is he still kind of an asshole? A smug superior asshole. I mean, we don't want to take away all of his charm. <laughs> because I'm actually on board the murder husband's train as long as they don't eat their kill. Yeah. What if the Hannibal premise, What if Hannibal wasn't wasn't such a dick? Well, are you mean if the dick part is that he used to eat dick? If that's what you mean? <laughs> I mean No, I mean I should, that that's just the premise that they have written down. What if Hannibal weren't such a dick? That's their premise. Okay. Well, all right. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at the premise. Unless he's nice. By whatever. Emu. (laughs) (laughs) Emu wrote nice Hannibal figures. That's that's all we're going to get out of that. We're going to put it in the late library. You guys can decide how to set that yourself. But it, the question is, is he actually nice? Nice? Or is he... I don't know. He's not a cannibal. <laughs> she doesn't remember if he if, if he still kills people. He just doesn't eat them. So that's good. I mean, you know. There is actually a tag called Hannibal and is not a cannibal. But there is a crack fic that I was all in on that actually still had them eating people. Not them, but he saw Hannibal eating people. It's the one where Will is suicidal, which this it's so it's such dark humor that I don't know what to do with myself because is I that the one don't... where Hannibal finds him about to, to jump off a bridge? Yes, yes. And Will says, "You can eat me if you want." And Hannibal's like, "All right, come on back to my house." And they have a conversation, and you know he's like, and Will's all really curious about you know, like how will you prepare me and all this is just so it is so surreally bizarre. That I felt like I couldn't help but like it. <laughs> and in the I end, mean, Will, you know, Hannibal talks him out of it, which of course that's what's supposed to happen when it in a in a story where somebody's feeling suicidal. They're supposed to talk them out of it, but um, yeah, he but talks to kind of eat him. I mean, because no, he doesn't eat him, but I'm pretty. Sure I mean, Will, in the fun I, way. <laughs> I pre- well, yeah, that definitely that, but I'm pretty sure Will <laughs> Will gets on board with the eating people train. So. <laughs> 
it's just, I was like, why do I like this? This is just, you know, whatever. I have to run to the bathroom. So I'll be back. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> I got, I got, I got nothing. <laughs> Great. Now Shadow's now Shadow's putting people in the corner. <sighs> sausage from the sausage. Oh my God. But yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, but but when I said it in the fun way, I didn't actually mean actually eating the dick. Didn't it's not what I meant. That wouldn't be the fun way <laughs> that I was talking about. <laughs> And really, you know, you don't eat dick, you suck dick, and you eat ass. I mean, so to speak. <laughs> this is going to, I'll be checking off the explicit box on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't read ABO. <sighs> But um, I like the idea of of the secret baby thing. Um, I like the idea of of it not being. I mean, because the kidnapping is is a really is a really difficult subject to write, uh, and it would be very emotionally taxing um, and so harsh. Uh, but but to find out that he fathered a baby, um, no matter Claire's intentions. Uh, wouldn't be as traumatic, especially, you know, um, although Clara being murdered would be kind of traumatic and to find out that she was murdered because, you know, she was trying to back out of whatever circumstances senior was going to put them all in, um, would be kind of harsh. And I would, I would want to do it when Tony's pretty young. And so maybe that he wouldn't even remember senior. But if he's really young, I don't know what to do about a name. Well, you know, no, I have memories from before seven. I mean, I have memories from three and four years old. And especially if they're explicitly tragic memories, like, uh, I don't know, finding his mother's body um, or. Um, I mean, those would be. I went to my grandfather's funeral when I was four and my grandmother, this is my father's, which is paternal. Um, she decided that I should touch him and I didn't want to. And she picked me up and she put my hand on his and it is the most vivid memory I have of my grandfather. And I kind of hate her for it. I also have distinct memories of a house that my 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 maternal grandparents had when I was 15 months old. And we know that specifically that I was 15 months old because shortly after my mom visited her in that house, that house burned down and everything in it went with it. So I, you know... Memory is a very tricky thing. I um, I would want Tony to be very young. Um, 
to the point where he wouldn't have even been responding to a name so Patrick could change his name. Because I don't think Patrick would want to call his son Anthony. No, I agree. But no, I mean, I have, you know, I have lots of, I have, yeah, so I, I you know, I'd say under a year old. Well, I mean, the name change thing needs to kind of fit the story. Like some narratives, it fits better. If you've got a, you know, 12 or 13 or 14 year old Tony who was not kidnapped, a name change, you know, could be a, a traumatic way to um, wind up with the shepherds. Um, why would who cares? Alex make him more an OC than Tony? But would, uh, well, yeah, of course it would, but I don't care. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I say that in, I mean, it's, there's this funny thing in, in Send for the Man, um, and even in Atlantis Codex, um, where Tony was always Alex Shepard, he was never Tony, right? So I, I mentioned, I put in the thing that, you know, Alex Shepard is, you know, played by Michael Weatherly, and that, you know, and that this is, this is sort of born out of If Found, Please Return, so in a way, he's Tony Donozo, but just not. He's not really Tony Donozo. He is Alex Shepard. He's more OC than he is Tony. So, but I do try to keep that the intricacy of what or the core of what I see Tony being, like being really good at solving problems. And um, I know a lot of authors in fandom are afraid of the OC. I'm not. Obviously. But but <laughs> definitely but definitely by the time I get to, you know, when he's completely raised a shepherd, it, he is, is more Alex Shepherd is if it feels more like an OC to you than having him called Tony, he really actually honestly I don't think he is more of an OC than having calling Tony because calling him Tony is just a way to make him feel familiar when it actually he's completely different. Um but it, he shouldn't your characterization shouldn't ride on whether or not he's um, called Tony or Alex or, you know, Bob or Dick. Don't call him Bob or Dick. Those those aren't good names for him. He doesn't look like a Bob or a Dick. So, well, I do have this thing about white dudes over forty all looking kind of like a Dick, but. <laughs> He could be a Bob, but he doesn't look like a Bob. Uh, well, but he, but you know that's but most of these. But stories, Bob's a job, not a name. Yes, but in most, Bob's a calling. Um, hello. Um, but in most of these stories, I Tony, he's getting together with his family way before forty. So, um, yeah. What I mean, your character. I think it's trying to capture, you want to capture the core of what Tony is without, you know, like the core of the way, where, where does his brain work or whatever? Cause I, you know, I really went through that in um, subversive is like, what is, what is a Tony who is, you know, a werewolf born, a werewolf born, you know, who's been hiding his whole life. I mean, what is, what is this character? Who's, who's the third gender? Who's like this revered part of werewolf society. What is, who's hiding his gender so that he can be, remain safe. What is, what is this Tony like? And so that's where I have the, the way he still relates to things kind of um, 
through the examples like the books or movies, but because he's raised by Ducky instead of being raised by, you know, Dinozo or through boarding schools or learning movies through his mom, he relates to the world through literary quotes rather than movie references or movie quotes. So I try to capture the essence of Tony in some fashion and in whatever stories I write, but the more, the less he's raised in his canon circumstances, the less Tony Dinozo baggage he's got, the more he looks like an OC. And if, if the only thing you've got tying him to the character Tony Dinozo is the name, you just, you know, I'd say just give it up and let him just be an OC. But if you are attached to the name, then making him a cousin, uh, making him Patrick's nephew through um, the mother is a very viable option. But you could mm -hmm. also just, you could also just call it, um, t this is a Tony as a shepherd AU, but he was always a shepherd and therefore his name is John Bob whatever except not not john um and and that's cool go with it somebody asked me um a while ago if i minded p other people writing that tony is kidnapped and um found by the shepherds at some point no i no go for it have fun make i want you all the tonys you can't own an idea no but i just really don't mind mm -hmm. um but get I'm all in on there being more Tony as a shepherd stories. I want all the Tony as a shepherd. Just as long as you don't write incest on top of it. Well, that'd be bad. If Tony is a shepherd and you have him begging John, I have a problem. We have a problem. Um. <laughs> <clears throat> But I do think that sometimes people get so married to the canon characterization that they can't get past it, even when they change the circumstances. Like, for instance, when I was at Dark talking about how Harry Potter grows up in a different environment and first year still happens the same damn way. Impossible. It doesn't work that way. The fact of the matter is, is that Harry Potter raised in a different environment might not even sort into Gryffindor, number one. Number two, would he be willing to tolerate Ron's abusive, shallow friendship? Or would he already know what, ta what it takes to be a good friend? Yes. Would he tolerate Ron's laziness? No, you need to buck up. If you want to be my friend, you need to do your homework. <laughs> Wouldn't he have like written his dad and said, hey, there was a troll and now there's a dragon. And I think the defense against the dark arts teacher is possessed. <laughs> and Draco's being a jerk. He was so nice over the summer. What's going on? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> or, you know, in the thing, actually, I'd find this hysterical. I, I throw this out there. Anybody wants to write it, go for it. I would find it hysterical if Tony grows up, not Tony, Harry grows up in different circumstances and he goes to get sorted and he gets sorted into Gryffindor and he immediately writes his guardian and says, I got sorted into Gryffindor. I want you to come to the school and find out what the fuck the headmaster did to the hat. Because we know that's <laughs> not right. We know I have right. been, <laughs> it's either, and it could be he knows he's going to be in Slytherin or he's aiming for Ravenclaw or whatever. He's like, what the fuck? How in the world could I be in Gryffindor? I am not brash. And and point, you know, you know, you know, dis the displays of courage are something I would never do. <sighs> I know, I know the headmaster. I know the headmaster fucked with that hat. 
The hat has been cursed. Please get down here and fix this immediately. And my bed is right next to Ron Weasley's. I'm not having it. I'm not having it, Dad. I'm not having it. <laughs> this is unacceptable. <laughs> I demand this a restarting. This badly written. Badly written. <laughs> so if someone wants to run with that idea, I would love you dearly if you had Harry have a temper tantrum about being sorted into Gryffindor. And that that is like your first big point of you know, like divergence on screen is like he gets sorted. He's like, what? That's you have impossible. him jerk the hat off and look at it and say, dude, it is on. <laughs> it is on. <laughs> He could pull the he could very seriously pull the hat off and go, I will find out who cursed you and I will avenge you. <laughs> you shall be a by Grapthar's hammer, you shall be avenged. <laughs> Draco could rot his dad. So Harry got into Gryffindor. We don't know what happened, but <laughs> We probably need assistance. I mean, at least that, Gryffindor needs assistance. I'm not sure they're going to all survive. <laughs> it's a problem. Actually, Harry could be so known in circles as being cunning, very cunning, like truly cunning, that um, Draco could write home and goes, Dad, Harry got sorted into Gryffindor. We need an adult. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all he says is we need an adult. They need an adult. <laughs> they're in trouble. Something's very wrong. I don't think Gryffindors could be standing by morning. They were slapping him on the back, Dad. It's not going to go well. Ron Weasley's not going to make it. <laughs> I know he's like the spare of the spare of the spare, but <laughs> <laughs> the very—he's so very spare, but. <laughs> but also this. All this, a lot of this other stuff, the stuff about Tony the Shepherd, except for the stuff that's very specific to um, Stargate, you could have Tony be somebody else's kid. You could have him be Magnum's kid, like the original Magnum. You could have him be, I mean, you could, you could do, use this kind of, there's a lot of other, you know, um, no. <laughs> I would never, ever have Tony be the son of somebody I, I have him banging. Like, also, no. they're almost, also, they're almost the same age. I mean, but you paired him with Jack O'Neill, but I was thinking that he probably could also be Jack O'Neill's son. But, could um, be. Yeah, I wouldn't do that personally. You could. I, I wouldn't do it personally because I do ship it. He could be Jim Ellison's son. That's interesting. I'm not mad at it. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that for a second. Tony is Jim Ellison's son. So See, secret um, baby? Secret baby or kidnap baby? When was when was um? And you look up how old Jim Ellison was. Um, when was Tony fathered? Well, in my in my my head canon, he'd be fathered in seventy two. Born in seventy three. Um, I need the Sentinel Wiki. That's not helpful. Okay, there we go. He's so pretty. Um, there's no birth year for him. 
No, I'm not sure it's... We need to look at the episode where he suppressed his senses when he was a kid. Because I think that gave him an age. Uh, Richard Richard Berge was born July 30th, 1958. Well, I always figured Jim in the show was close to 40. Um, and that was in 1996. So he'd been born in 56. So just two years off the actor's age. So he would have been... 16. If it was 56, he'd have been 15 when he fathered Tony. Which is possible. Which would make Claire a real asshole. Well, true. But if she was also young... That could be how she winds up married to senior. She's maybe 17 or something. And pregnant. Although why they wouldn't have tried to get her to marry. Because uh, Jim's father was a wealthy industrialist too. Maybe he was a target. Maybe Claire's a con artist too. And he was a target. And then he... Uh... Maybe then she maybe she realized how old she was. Maybe she realized how old he was after she had sex with him, um, and realized she could get in trouble for that shit. Yeah, that's a possibility. Jim's maybe father, Jim's father paid her off. Yeah, yeah, that could have been that she's got a target, puts a target on Jim, and and uh, Jim's father pays her to go away, um, pays or pays senior to step in, and and Jim never found knew he had a kid. So did do you know his exact age? Kaya? He who? Well, to make it work, if Jim is younger than sixteen for me, I would have to tweak Tony's age, which isn't really all that hard to do. Um. Hmm. He's five years older than Blair. See, I'd have put almost 10 years between them personally. Yeah, I would have too. Okay. Oh, he's pretty too. He was Blair was born in 1969. When Blair was 16, he moved to Cascade, Washington to begin his studies. So Blair is 27 when the show starts. Ish, twenty-seven. Yeah, I mean, I can see Jim being ten years older than Blair. So if he did that, if he picked that, if he picked Blair sixty-nine as the as your the one date we know, and Jim is being ten years older, and then tweak Tony's age a little bit, you could make that work. That's just one year younger than what the actor is, so that's not, you know, that's not bad. Um, Casting, although he looked very young for his age. I think it takes at least six and a half years to become eligible to become a captain. Um, but so it's not it's not implausible at all that when Jim And he would have had to have had a college degree to get that. Yeah. You can't be an officer without a degree. 
Okay, so Dark right? did the math. Yeah, she did the math. He said he needs time to go through ranger school, obtain his rank, spend two years in Peru, and then go through the academy and make detective. He has to be at least 35. So I think 37 to 39, somewhere in there, is probably realistic, in which case, Tony, he would be 15 to 17 when Tony's conceived, if you don't adjust Tony's age, um, more than I already have, which it could do. I mean, I if, say, if Claire is in the con game with Senior at that point in her life, she might see the teenage son, say, say he's 16, 17, um, of Ellison, a good target. His name's William Ellison? William, but as it turns out, William Ellison is a bigger bastard than Senior could ever wish to be. Yeah, isn't that the truth? And he pays them to go away. And maybe, um, maybe this is a Sentinel is known universe. And when Tony comes online later on in his life, um, his genetics get a hit two ways. One, he gets a guide or a Sentinel. I would say he's a Sentinel and he gets a guide and he also gets a hit. The fact that his dad's actually the alpha Sentinel prime of North America. That would be Jim gets a call about that. So alpha, we have a, we have a situation. We have a thing. Sentinel came, Sentinel came online a lot like you actually, strangely enough, um, in, uh, in, uh, in, in DC. And, um, he sort of got your DNA. <laughs> You you know, the thing is, is that maybe William would be a better target, financially speaking, but he might be harder to get to than Jim. But he also might be a lot, I would think a lot of wealthy um, older men in that would be really on the lookout for being scammed like that. And honestly, he might not even, they might assume he's not even going to care. But Jim is rebellious. He's 17, 16, 17. Claire, you know, Claire's a good looking woman, young woman, maybe 19, 20. He'd be very easy to. They don't know he's a latent sentinel. Because William was actively hiding that shit. Or it could be they don't even, it doesn't even matter to them. Because if it's the sentinels are known universe, William might not have cared. Uh, you know, if, if if he had goals for Jim that didn't include um, any kind of um, public service or, you know, and I can see him not wanting his son to be a sentinel. Yeah, could be. See him seeing that kind of life beneath him. I don't want you in the military. I don't want you in the police. You're going to go to corporate law school, except, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't need the government or anybody else in my business. So forget the fact that you might be a sentinel. Now for something else I I wrote um, that no one has seen, I cast Emily Blunt as Claire, Den Claire Paddington. She's hot. I think she could very easily, you know, I think she could make a Tony. Gorgeous. But yeah, I mean, I think that'd be really easy for, you know, and if if they're scamming for money, then Jim's an easy target. 
Jim's mom disappeared. She, yeah, she disappeared. Ascended. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mean like Jim and Tony being brothers? And Jim and Tony being brothers takes away a lot of, it allows you to bring Jim's age down a little bit. Um, but also, you know, you know, team daddy issues over here. It's a little bit more satisfying. To, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a little bit more satisfying to give, give Tony a father than to give him a brother, but you know, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's just, I don't know what to say. I mean, I can't deny it. <laughs> Right, I there's, mean, a, there's a whole collection of fic on my site that pretty much right? reveals that to the world. Yes, yes. But it's I like whatever shakes your tea. But I mean, the 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 the, uh, the, uh, the working title of Unleash Your Demons was Team Daddy Issues. So I, yeah, it I was. Yeah. I usually don't speak for Cure on these issues, but uh, in this one, I feel safe saying that it's Team Daddy Issues over here. Um. <laughs> but no, the the working title of Unleash Your Demons was in fact Team Daddy Issues. Um, I'm not making that up. Yeah, yeah. I actually had a hard time not continuing to call it that. The thing is, she came up with she came up with the title very early on, but and then she kind of hashtagged it like Team Daddy Issues. She had her title really quickly. It wasn't like she labored for it, right? Um, but then she was like, um, like it was like a hashtag thing, like Team Daddy Issues, and we just I just kept calling it that because. Yeah, it's team daddy issues, right? Everybody has daddy issues, and and I I get it, I do too. So otherwise, there wouldn't have been if found, right? If I didn't have daddy issues, trying to give Tony a better daddy, I don't think a sentinel mother would leave her son. She had two. Um, I, that totally messes with my head cannon. That she would leave her, that she would abandon her children. Because to me, if a, a, a female sentinel's maternal instincts would be hyperactive. Oh, if she wasn't a sentinel. I mean, if she was, I mean, I guess you could do like a hate thing where it's like oh. she didn't, she didn't want to deal with the. Oh, sentinel I see what or... you mean. I misread that. I, mean, I guess it's possible. Um, that that underlines a. Um, a level of bigotry built into the world that she would have been taught to hate sentinels like that, to hate them so much that she didn't want her own child. That speaks to institutional bigotry. And I wouldn't want to write that. I mean, you could have, I think it, you could have, there are pockets of people who, in, in you write in your story, that just really have an issue with Sentinels or Guides. I've certainly written stories where, I mean, the whole premise around Journey Home is that, you know, guides are perceived negatively at points in time by some people. Some parents didn't want to have guides as children. And I think that's actually a pretty common trope is guide bigotry. Um but I always write it as like it's not okay in society now. You got to knock that shit off, because sentinels wouldn't stand for it. But now stories I've read where they have bigotry against sentinels tend to have a very kind of dark feel to them, because there is sometimes that's like in like indentured servitude for sentinels. When you come online as sentinel, there's mandated government service. The government controls your life. Just a lot of just kind of I see that kind of vibe in that kind of story. So it's just not something I'd want to write. 
In the Sentinels of Atlantis, there's a scene where um, Jack O'Neill is pretty much telling the Navy that he's going to be keeping Chase Harris. Um, and uh, oh, the Marines, it's the Marines. And um, and the general in charge of the mission that Harris was on is in the room and he's bitching about it. And he calls Chase a primitive son of a bitch. And Jack tells him to watch his mouth because he happens to be one of those primitive sons of bitches. Yeah. <laughs> now I could see I I could see a systemic level of resentment, especially with my, some like oh you know older white dudes who who have you know penis issues, um, that they might resent the the what they feel to be the favored position that Sentinels have in society or something, and you can have that kind of resentment. The other th what you could do to have if you want. Jim's mother to leave because she's a sentinel. If she could be a mom like Naomi, right? Um, who's just doesn't want to deal with it. It's not that she hates sentinels, but she just doesn't want to deal with the problems of it. And she's just like, oh, whatever. I'm, I'm just, she's kind of like, because not everybody, not every mother bonds with her child. So she could just be like, this is just too much work. This is, this is more than I signed up for. A, a child sentinel? I just don't think so. And so she just leaves. But it, I, I probably wouldn't have it be like rooted in like oh my god I had a sentinel this is disgusting kind of thing I wouldn't want to write that kind of society because it speaks like I said to uh, a very high level of um, bigotry that I would not you know I'm not there for it yeah although I have teased that to some degree um, but it's just it's not that it's it would never be okay um, that some people are like I don't want a guy in the family I don't want um, but society society as a whole looks down on parents who act that way so but yeah they kind of do I do have that you know they're kind of like these fringe elements who think it's not okay to be a sentinel or guide and um Society's Someone got like... pissy with me about my my characterization of Sarah O'Neill in Sentinels of Atlantis, and how um, she when she found out that Jack was a Sentinel, she thought that he lied to her about being a Sentinel because she never would have married a Sentinel, and um, that they were pissed with me. The thing is, is if, if you're a woman living in a world where Sentinel and guides exist, and you're not one, I would not want to marry or date a Sentinel or a guide. Because what if you get so deeply involved with them, you can't even stand yourself, right? And you just love the shit out of them. And then they come online and suddenly they've got a guide and you don't matter anymore. I'd want to know. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I wouldn't take a ride, but I wouldn't get, I would, I would let my heart get involved. Yeah. If I, if I, I was... don't buy the threesome and Sentinel stories, I don't buy it. It doesn't work with my head cannon. I've I've read it on occasion um, and gone well, okay, but I I'd have a hard time writing it. So, but this is a case of what I would do as a writer and what I what I'll what I'll what I'll take a ride on as a reader. Totally different things. So yeah, I agree. I mean, I I I've, I've never seen pairing that or a triad pairing in that that I would want to read. Um, and I'm kind of very specific about the triads that I will read. Um. I found out the hard way that I can't really triad John and Rodney. I mean, I powered through it, but I didn't enjoy it. Have fun writing. May your hunt go well. Oh, no, the, the sex was great. I had no problems writing the sex because if you noticed in Patient Zero, I didn't write them having sex together. 
John had sex with Rodney and he had sex with Miko in that story. And they did not have sex, the three of them together. Um, I just, I. It just didn't work for you. Sometimes you run into I don't know. I don't know what it, it was just, it just didn't work for me. But I had no problems writing threesome sex. If you've read Darkly Lull, you'd know that. I mean, it was not difficult. It's just, McKay Shepard is my OTP. And and I violated my OTP, and it was just like I remember when I was doing the scene um, in Emotional Clockwork where John hooked up with Graham. I thought I would have a hard time writing it, but I didn't because it was just sex. There was no sex, you know. There was there was there was no emotion involved in that, um, and so it 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 didn't really mess with me. But to it write John real- in love with somebody else, yeah. I was gonna say it was the relationship more than it was the the sex right. because I mean like I wrote I wrote I wrote threesome sex with Gibbs, Steve, and Tony. I would never write a threesome with Gibbs, Steve, and Tony. This is a completely different thing. <laughs> so they could they could bang occasionally, but Tony's in a relationship with Steve and and that's that. I just can't I, hang with the with the romance part. I just thesis, I am with you on L. L and and Neil and and Peter. Peter and L definitely need to take Neil home and give him a cookie and, and then some sex. Yeah. Yeah, Kai, I'm all aboard. It, I'm all aboard that OT3. I don't even know why that I don't know why that wasn't canon. <laughs> so I would I would probably I could see writing Tony to back up to the whole Tony the the thing, but I could see t- writing Tony um I could see how it could even be more plausible writing Tony and Jim as brothers, but I would want to, um, I'd want to write the father son angle. Cause I think it'd be more interesting. And you know, you got, I think it'd be a really interesting angle to have Jim get the call that he's got a son who's come online as a sentinel. And I'd probably, it, well, I'm trying to figure out when would be a really interesting time. Cause I, I think that if he, he's coming online under threat, um, like what would that be? In NCIS canon? Yeah. <sighs> um we talked about another another podcast. My head canon is Sentinels come online unexpectedly under threat, typically. Uh or sometimes they just come online, but if they cut it's under threat, not under trauma. Um whereas um, guys what about that trauma. one where he wakes up handcuffed to the dead body? That's quite a threat, yes. Well, undercover with the mob, he went into that situation. He was handling that situation, but he wakes up in the in the sewer, handcuffed to a body. He was not in control of that situation. That situation was in in control of him, and he was at the hands. He was at the mercy of a serial killer. Yeah, although he did take he did take control of that situation. Yeah, like a boss. But if he but if he was latent sentinel, that might be the moment he comes online. That could really trigger him to come online. Yeah. Um, the episode changed. It's not that one. The 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 Jeffrey White situation. Yeah, changed Jeffrey. We have Jeffrey. That's what, that's what I was thinking too. Um, he was handcuffed to a pipe, but there was a dead body in there. He was handcuffed. I thought he was handcuffed. Was was he just locked in? I've only watched it once because I actually have claustrophobia. Yeah, that but there was, was chained to the body. But he someone was chained to the body, right? 
<laughs> no, well, they, off the the body was definitely in there. I think the body was, but I'd have to double check who was who was to what. But he was still in there with a dead body and a marine who was almost dead, locked in. So I'd have to double check that episode. But I thought that he was handcuffed too because he definitely got Atlas out of the handcuffs. Yes. Well, Atlas, the bees weren't in there. Atlas had just or, had been exposed to the bees elsewhere. I thought. But I think that's. I mean, if that comes before Jeffrey White, that's when he comes online. But it if does. Jeffrey White came first, then he comes online with Jeffrey White. That's true. Dark. He could have come online when he got pushed out of the plane. That'd be even earlier. No, missing was season one. Well, he could have come on. I mean, if you want to go that far back, he could have come online when Fournell pitched him out of that van and in the, in, in the body bag. Yeah, that too. Which would have got everybody in a whole bunch of fucking trouble. You pitched a fucking sentinel out of a van in a body bag yeah, on a major a highway. That would have been bad. Is that maybe. what happened to Agent Fornell? Well, I didn't know he was a sentinel. Okay, so you pitched a federal agent out of a van, a moving van, in a body bag on a major highway. You do realize that is attempted murder, right, Agent Fornell? I actually think that you would need, yeah, at well, the very Fornell least, depraved indifference to human life. I could. It just made no sense that they did that. It just was so weird. But when it comes to, I know that Tony had a parachute on, so the getting pushed out of the plane was certainly. A threat same thing but i feel like i feel like he would need to be in a situation that he felt really threatened and completely out of control and those the plane instant and the and the thing but i think there's something to me very visceral about the situation he was in with jeffrey white um the, the plague comes way after all those events i would i mean and honestly i think the plague it would, would not would bring have, him online i think the last thing he would do is come online if 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 he caught the plague because it would make the plague like three thousand times worse for him yeah i there's i wrote one story where he did come online sort of around those events but it was sort of like it was it was like delayed because he was like because he had the plague that he couldn't really that, that they theorized that he couldn't come online complete you know that, that that the trigger for him to come online had been kate's death that the threat of Kate, Kate being killed in front of him had riled up the sentinel instinct. Um, but that, um, yeah, but that he, he couldn't come online right away because he was still recovering from the plague and it would have been torturous. And it's my head canon that sentinels do not come online in when they're in severe physical distress because it would, it'd send them right into like a sensory zone. It says, it says the sentinel's job is to protect the tribe um, they having come them online. come online during that kind of event would actually make them a burden to the tribe. Right. Um, he could have come online when he was young with the with the house fire. The burning house. True, but he, he went into that situation voluntarily. It wasn't like he was out of control. I mean, I think you could you could have it happen there. You could have him if you want him to be a younger sentinel, like college age, who meets Jim. Um, yeah, he wouldn't go. Into but it. if you want to get him all the way to NCIS before he meets Jim, then you need to not do that. You need to pick your stressor. 
I think there's something very visceral about both the situation with Atlas, which is the situation in the sewer, and the situation with Jeffrey White, which is the which is chained. Um, so missing and chained. It's something very visceral and very different kind of threat because the threat with Jeffrey White wasn't just that maybe he because there's it was the secret threat that Jeffrey presented because Tony didn't know Jeffrey was a serial killer, and he's got a serial killer he's chained to and this that that latent sentinel hand could be bubbling away about that but it was also the threat that lane presented the guy who drugged him um yeah. and it could it could be that to me that one resonates a little bit more with me as something that would push a sentinel online is the that whole situation i think would be just really troubling for him but also yeah i could definitely see that airy being down in the you could that would be actually be a really interesting thing to write is that tony comes online around airy his first break i would in. pick missing because not only is is about his circumstances it's about atlas too yeah protecting um, the and, tribe. Uh, in a, yeah protect the tribe because he not only has himself because this is the you know maybe it's like one stressor after another and he, you know his his instincts have, have taken a a beating most of his life and now he stands between this young man and a serial killer and he has no backup he has no weapon does he have a weapon no he has his belt he has his that's belt. how he got out of, that's how he got out was the belt knife he's got he used it to get the door so open. so all he has is this belt knife i think that that would be you know maybe that's the point of no return for him maybe all these other events have just been kind of piling up and maybe he might have even been subconsciously pushing it back yeah, it could be. Especially if he knows he's latent and he's not sure if he wants to be a sentinel. But in that moment, it's not just him anymore. He has Atlas as well. And he has proof positive that this... It's a woman, right? Yes. The, the killer is a woman, yes. That this woman is going to kill him and Atlas. And so this is like, this is the moment. Yeah, that situation when, because I mean, that's what she does. Is she puts people in that room to die. So clearly that's why he was there. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that piles up really quickly. Pachi was killed in the episode before. Um, well, no, I wouldn't actually want to come on online anywhere. But um, I don't think you would have a choice. I think the circumstances, the threat to Atlas, the threat to his own life, that dead body, I mean, that's just too much. His friend already being murdered. I mean... I think a sentinel that comes online under threat, it, th that, that sensory input doesn't matter. I think they, they shut it off. Their, his sole focus is protect the tribe, which is get Atlas out of that. Um, but you could also write it being around when Aerie takes the hostages in in because if parts of his team are in that room and Aerie shoots Gerald that could push him online too um, I do think and he can kill Aerie and the, yeah right and then then. he can kill Aerie just snap his neck because um, you know Sentinels are all about the hands on kill um Yeah, if he's already a sentinel, he could smell Pachi on um on her. And that would say but he could also 
But I think from the moment you, t you bring Tony online, potentially he's not going to be with NCIS much longer. So if you want him to deal with Aerie, you might want to have him come online around those events in the in the in autopsy, um, so that Kate lives. Because I don't think he's going to stay at NCIS if his daddy is the Sentinel Prime of North America. I just don't think that works. That way, that works. No, because I don't think that um, Jim would tolerate him working for Gibbs. And I don't think Ashley Tony as an online Sentinel would would be able to work with Gibbs because Gibbs' moral compass is broken. Yeah. And honestly, I honestly think also that Kate would give him a lot of shit about killing Ari. Oh, she totally would. Because he had kind because eyes. Because his kind eyes. But Tony, if Tony's a sentinel, he would just not, not care. He'd be like, uh-huh. Yeah, you can you can suck it. Gerald shot, you're alive. Shut the fuck up. Um, when did you become so callous? I don't know, the minute I came online. Yes, you do. Go edit <laughs> when we're done. I mean, you know, I just think she probably would give him a lot of shit. But if his father is the alpha, you know, alpha sentinel prime of North America, he probably isn't saying with NCIS. Um, depending on what kind of you know guide you give him. And that's always that's always a struggle with Sentinel Tony for me. It always is a struggle as to who his guide is. Because it could be it could be an OC. That's I could write an OC, but um, if I can find. Why couldn't it be Spencer Reed? Could be. It could be. Or Evan Lorne. It totally could be. <laughs> I hit her sweet spot. <laughs> I'm totally all in on Evan. I mean, I I like Tony Spencer. I, really, I'm I I have I'm all in on Tony Evan. Um. You can you just imagine Evan coming back to the city, proud as fuck. This is my sentinel. <laughs> really, <laughs> good job. Nice work. He's Jim, and then he comes in. So this is Jim. He's Jim Ellison's son, and John and John goes, Jesus fuck, why me? <laughs> you brought There's an Jim email Ellison. waiting for him in the database. Yeah, Alpha Shepherd. I have my son. My newly discovered son is on your city. I expect him to be. Returned to me in the fashion by which you received him. <laughs> <laughs> Although that timeline, that'd be 2003. 2003. So I think that's before the expedition left, right? Yeah. He'd be at the SGC. So Jack O'Neill would get that message. <laughs> yeah. Jack. So Jack. my son's and working for you. Jim and Jack could know each other, and Jim could just show up with his arms crossed and giving Jack a look. So you want my son to come work for you, huh? You need to have a talk. I, I did, but I think I've changed my mind. <laughs> Not sure I'm down for that. But Evan, oh. yeah, Evan would be on Earth, so he would be an excellent choice. He could find him in a guide search or whatever. It'd be really cool. Yeah. Your son. And, and and I would imagine the Sentinel imperative kind of thing would like see Tony immediately is it, it would it would be different than it, I think I think the Sentinel would latch on. It's like that's mine. It could only be worse if Tony were a guy. That'd be the only way it'd be worse. 
Yeah, I think you would have to make Tony a sentinel. Otherwise, the Blessed Protector would lose his fucking mind. Yeah. <laughs> it would just like, not be good. It'd be like, oh, not only does not only does Jim have a secret baby, but it's a secret I baby guide. Jesus. You can see alphas all over America just shaking their head going, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Which sentinel's gonna please, get Jim Ella? Please don't let him end up in my pride. Please. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. No. I can't. And, and I don't want to be the sentinel. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he smells good and all, but I don't want to be the sentinel who gets Jim Ellison's baby guy dirty. That's just not the you way would, that goes. You would have to bring it on. In fact, I think it would probably have to be Ronan, who maybe, maybe come back to the Earth for an IOA thing, and he's like a sentinel. So they're like, hey, while you're here, since you don't have a guy, would you like to do a guide search? And Ronan's like, okay. And he gets Tony, and he's like, Okay, I'm not and mad. Tony's at that. like, you're not, you're not intimidated. Um, my dad is who? Rodan's <laughs> like, yeah, big deal. I'll be glad to meet him. I'm not. I, I'm fine with meeting your father. He takes one look at Jim and kind of looks down because he's going to be taller. And says, "You want to see my gun? You're going to show me your space gun." <laughs> <laughs> and then Tony be like, wait, is my Sentinel now the favorite? <laughs> this is totally not fair. <laughs> so how'd you remember Jim Allison? I showed him my gun. <laughs> John would be like, you showed him your gun? You don't even let me hold your gun. <laughs> you don't have a guide that I want. <laughs> Oh, he could give him the gun as a courting gift. <laughs> uh, I can get another one. And John would be like, wait, you can get more and you didn't? I think it might father my gun. end of their friendship. <laughs> yeah. You didn't father my gun. That's why you don't have my gun. <laughs> what do you get me? If you had sired my guide, I would. <laughs> it was the only thing I had that was an appropriate gift, Shepard. Actually, the gun could be he's been carrying around all these years because that is the gift for his guide's parents. Oh, well, maybe it is. Or maybe he has something on him that, that is like a traditional gift from his planet. Maybe yeah, it isn't carried... a gun. Maybe it's something really special. All these years. Something, you know. That was passed yeah. to him from his father, or, some, or something yeah. like that. You know, he's been carrying around all those years just for the time he met his guide. That makes it very sweet, though. It does. Blair would be all happy. Jim would still be trying to be mad. <laughs> well, Jim could be like, and Blair could be trying to tell him this is wonderful, and Jim could be like, "What? He got." my son i get a pendant i don't think this is exactly a fair trade <laughs> we may have a little bit too much fun with the cracky ideas sometimes <laughs> just a little on bit, occasion, just a little bit. on occasion but, but you know it, it would be fun to give tony a a good father yeah um, and or just a good father figure because uh Oh, some people like to write gives as a father figure for Tony, but he's not a good father figure. Not, not realistically, no. I mean, sometimes I do sue him. Well, now I skewed him towards the kind of her pseudo father figure 
control. Um, yeah. But you just you have to you're, you're doing a big hand wave on Gibbs actions when you do that, and and I do I've done it, but the more time that passes, the less I'm interested in hand waving away Gibbs actions. So. I think the less time um, Jim has known Tony, the more protective he will be. I agree. Because he, once he's got a little time relaxed, he'll be okay. But and and the more he knows Tony, the more he sees Tony being a capable, strong, um, dependable man. The easier it will be to to not be so militant, to let his sentinel relax a little bit. Now, if Tony, that's if Tony's a god. If Tony's a sentinel, I could see it being this interesting dynamic. What if Tony is like a sentinel who's just like super chill? He's like a weird sentinel. He's like laid back. He's really got really great sentences, but he doesn't really have the some of the issues with sensory control. And Blair could be like, well, don't you just kind of want to like find any guide you can and climb all over them? And Tony's like, no, not really. He's like, well, it's okay. So are you having problems with your senses? And Tony's like, no, not really. Yeah. <laughs> and Blair just could keep giving Jim the stink eye. It's like, I know this is your doing. <laughs> what, did you, what did you do? No, wait. Who did you do to create this? <laughs> where, where did this come from? <laughs> but I think if you did make him really laid back and relaxed, it'd be really funny, fun, and kind of funny to make Ronan the guide because then he's all. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Full force. <laughs> he falls Ronan down. Oh, here's my gun. Here's my Ronan. knife. Here's my sword. Um, and he's a guide, but like on his planet, that's expected. Right, warrior guide. The warrior yeah. guide, and um, you know that the sentinel acts as well um, as a sentry in the hunt, but the guide is the hunter, and so. And then Tony brings home this guide, and they're like. He's a guy. He's not very guidely. <laughs> well, on and his Ronan's... planet, it's perfectly acceptable for him to be this way. <laughs> right. It's like, he's like, trying to be like, why do you see his spirit animal? <laughs> it's like some giant cave lion. <laughs> <laughs> I do mean giant, like almost as big as he is. <laughs> yeah, Ronan could look at look at Blair and go, "Where's your sword?" <laughs> well, it is my headcanon that in Pegasus, guides are the reason that uh, that Satita was called to extinction because yeah. they could that they were the they could control and kill Wraith with their brains, and so that they could use their gifts as guides to kill Wraith because the Wraith are basically hijacking psionic energy uh, that isn't naturally theirs to have, so a guide can take it from them. So it stands to reason that if that's the case, then the guides might be a little more militant. You certainly, mm -hmm. you certainly could write it that way. And that the Sentinel protects the guy, but the guy protects the tribe. In Pegasus. And I wrote something a little bit sort of in a similar vein. I don't remember which, which story was it where they talked about that, um, oh, it would have to be Primus. Um where the guides were able to harness, especially working cooperatively to harness psionic energy. It wasn't even directly necessarily at the rate that they could use it to crash their ships. Um, so they would bring multiple guides working together, could bring an entire ship down. And so, it could explain, you know, Ronan's survival. 
mm-hmm. as a hunt, and maybe that's why they kept him as a runner to train themselves to fight against guides, or as a sentinel if you wanted to ride him as a sentinel. But I think Ronan would have the potential to be a very interesting guide. Um, he's strong. He's capable. He's a survivor. Um, I think he's fully capable of having a great deal of empathy. Um, he's got a lot of anger, but that's in canon. You could kind of work that out. In, but he has a lot to be angry about, and he deserves that. Mm-hmm. And especially if he lost his sentinel during the culling, like he did, like he lost his guide in the culling um, during um, in Sentinels of Atlantis, and goes to Taylor for mercy. But she always believed he was her sentinel when they met his children. But the people of Satita didn't agree. Yeah, I mean, you could write it that in Satita that matches are planned as opposed to something they they sought out. Um, they didn't seek out their one, as it were. Um, and Ronan and, T- Ronan and Tony could meet and be like, oh, okay, well, I had a Sentinel before, but apparently that's my Sentinel right there. What in the world was he doing in another Maybe galaxy? even Ronan could, um, maybe like uh, a couple years into the expedition, um, the IOA, like when he has to fight off the race, him and Tilk, and he has to have his little IOA interview that ends up being like one sentence, like one question, and he says yes, and they're like, good enough, <laughs> because he just saved the whole planet from the race. What if they asked him, you know, is there anything we can do for you? And he said, well, I would really like to meet some Sentinels. And I'm like, well, we got plenty of those. <laughs> we're we're overflowing with them, so <laughs> let's get you a search. <laughs> no, we, I have, and they might say, well, we might have to admit that you're a little bit more typically the Sentinel's the big badass, and they might be a little bit intimidated by you. So you're gonna need, we're gonna need one. Do we have any Sentinels that are not that kind of asshole? <laughs> and we'll so go, well, there's Ellison's son. You know, he doesn't. He's a weird sentinel. We have this one weird sentinel who seems like he might be a fit for you. And Jack would be going, oh God, not 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 Ellison's son. Oh yeah, Ellison's son. He called Blair. So we have this guide who's a real extreme militant badass. He has a sword. Blair would be like, I have got the sentinel for him. <laughs> <laughs> Thank fuck. Now it makes sense. <laughs> Now we understand why he is so chill. <laughs> we will be on a plane. Where are you? <laughs> Carl, for fuck's sake, get Jack, Neal, um, Jack, um, Jack O'Neill on the phone. Yeah, they could be totally confused because even Blair could say, do you feel this like urge to protect like every guy in sight? And Tony could be like, like eating a peach and going, not really. I figure they can handle their own shit. <laughs> well, just, but just let me know if you need help. If you need me, I'll be there. But I, I, I am all about autonomy. You do you. Um, and they just keep trying to like, and so Blair thinks Tony's instincts were like all mucked up, but it's like, so he's somehow, he's a Satedan Sentinel. How does that even work? The psionic plane is a mysterious place. Right. They go, well, Ronan deserves a Sentinel and we're going to give him that one. And so Tony's just like, he's just, and Blair just thinks he's so strange because he's like, does, he's un, when, when threat, so Sentinel's posture with him, but I figure it's a thing Sentinel's probably do some posturing with each other, right? Mm-hmm. Tony's just like kind of yawns and goes, this is so boring. 
Look, dude. But they, but they wouldn't go too far because he is, in fact, Ellison's son. Right. No. He, yeah, like, look, dude. I know my senses are better than yours. I don't have anything to prove. So just put your dick away. I'm not after your guide. He could be like reading a book and say, dude, don't even bother. I know my dick's bigger than yours. And you do too. <laughs> you know this already. We don't even need to have this conversation. Yeah, I totally, I totally think that there's probably if you if they really have these meet and greet things like we talk about in Canada, there's probably a lot of posturing amongst the Sentinels, right? Mm-hmm. And Tony could be like the least posturing Sentinel ever, and and Blair could just be like, I don't get it, I don't get it. You know, I think he'd actually be really attractive to guides because of that, and they would be like, but why doesn't he like us? <laughs> we have well, so much be- in common. He's so chill. He could be totally. Oh no, can we get have him? He could be he could be totally sleeping himself sleeping sleeping his way through the Sentinel guide rank the guide ranks. It's like, well, I'm having a good time, but I just don't feel any particular urge to bond or anything like that. Why would I want to do that? I mean, you'd be like, I said, you seem nice enough, you know. He's just such so laid back, and it actually becomes more laid back for becoming a Sentinel. And he and you know they could even call Gibbs and go, was Tony always this laid back? And Gibbs like, what? I mean, he wasn't uptight, but he wasn't like what you're describing and Blair could be like scratching his head going, I don't understand. Somebody gets more laid back for becoming a Sentinel. That just doesn't happen. Again, Jim, who did you do to create this? <laughs> it could just, but then it would be like really electric when he meets Ronan. Yeah. That could be really good. But oh, Hey, there you are. Tony likes becomes unchill. Like, Whoa, there's my guide. Wow. Okay. Don't get any. He, he could like, he'd be like, he doesn't need me to fight you assholes off, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me flip. I, I think that Ronan would be a very, very attractive guide on Earth across the board because number one, he's gorgeous. Number two, he's a badass. And especially military sentinels, they would be like, I want that. I need, I need me that. Yeah. I need some of that. He, he that we'll just we'll just bring him we'll just make him an honorary seal just bring it on board and tony's like get get your eyes off my guy what the hell's the matter with you <laughs> now he gets an attitude problem <laughs> but i imagine if ronan is used to very chill sentinels like tony that he would find the more militant versions of them off-putting yeah he could he could be like he could actually have even all along i mean john isn't a very militant sentinel but he may even have found the level of military sentinel that maybe john is to be a little bit weird which maybe is why he's never asked before but since he was on earth maybe he thought well maybe you know maybe john's not the typical sentinel maybe there's other options you know let me take a look <laughs> since i'm here <laughs> i think that would be a lot of fun it would be an inter- it would be an interesting way of reinterpreting the, the 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 roles and the dynamics that are typical of the Sentinel Guide thing. Well, let's end the let's end the podcast, and we can still keep talking about it. But we're approaching four hours, and I want to not do that. Yeah, <laughs> I need some tea, and then we can come back and talk about it some more if you want. Okay, okay. But I want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast, and I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope it gave you some great ideas about what to do with Tony Dinozo about giving him the father he deserves. <laughs> so I hope you have a grand, a fantastic weekend, and we shall catch you later. Say good night, Jilly.
Good night, everyone.